0: Ladies and gentlemen, the The prosecution is not going to get that
1: man today, no, because I'm going to get him.
2: ladies and
3: gentlemen, to this edition of the Hagman Report. It is, uh, it's Tuesday, August 22nd, 2017. Uh, I just want to say that we, we've got a great show lined up for you. The third hour, of course, Stan Dale. Stan Dale is going to be, uh, joining us again, um, after his surgery from a couple of weeks ago. So it's good to have him back. And then the second hour, a very great, interesting guest, Charles Sasser, um, he's written a a fantastic book uh, crushing crushing the collective actually he's a a, just a tremendously prolific author and the first hour coming up steve saint angelo from srs rocco report is going to be joining us but um of course we're live on the global star radio network uh, live on btr archived on on both uh btr as well as uh uh, Global Star, BTR is short, of course, for Blog Talk Radio. The fine folks there want to say thank you for carrying our program. Thank you, Global Star, for carrying our program. And we'll be on YouTube as long as, um, well, until we're not anymore. And, and oh, yes, and according to uh, uh um Eric the Tech, we're live on Twitter, Periscope. So go to ha- Hagman Report, Hagman Report Twitter feed, at Hagman Report. There you can get us live on periscope Twitter I guess that's I've, I've actually never used that I've seen it used but Eric the tech had set that up so I want to thank Joe for covering for me yesterday and uh I think maybe Friday too this a, yep yeah thanks no it was uh was that nobody, Friday
4: yeah it was Friday
3: yeah thanks for thanks for covering for me um a couple of things the uh the show I did this morning from nine to ten if you, the Doug Hagman show, I would urge everyone to just kind of to listen to that, of course. It's one hour uninterrupted uh, discussion about the Awan brothers, the spy ring in Congress, the 80 Congress um, members who have been affected by this Pakistani spy ring, the Awan brothers. Of course, we've had George Webb on, we've had Jerome Corsi, we've had others talking about this. Uh, the indictment, of course. I've got it right here. The indictment of the, of Imran and, uh, Imran Awan and his wife, Hina Alvi. Uh, but, but it's bigger than just Imran Awan. I just want to kind of give, uh, just a little taste, a little snippet to what today my broadcast is about. And there's a reason for this. I'm going to kick it over to Joe, but there's a reason for this. This is the biggest story, I think, right now on, on the planet. And that is how a number of Pakistani nationals by my count, nine nine have infiltrated congress the i t section of Congress, under the umbrella of debbie Wasserman Schultz currently um, and for the for most of the thirteen years that they have been in congress um, i t specialists you start pulling on this string and it will unravel the mysteries behind a number of things, including it'll tear down the Russian narrative. It'll address the Seth Rich homicide, or at least, I'm going to be clear, or at least what Seth Rich knew in his interaction alleged with WikiLeaks. And it will expose to the citizens of the United States the level of infiltration in this country of, of spies. It, to me, this is critical. But today, this morning, I went over the indictment of Imran Awan and Hina Alvi. Now I've read my share of indictments. This is, this is an indictment from a grand jury that was seated in November of 2016. Don't pay attention. Don't worry about the date. That doesn't mean that this grand jury was seated specifically to hear this case. They hear numerous cases. But what's important for people to really understand, I think, is the indictment itself. And Andrew McCarthy did a, a, did a column on this yesterday at National Review, which, I, you know, the publication, think of it what you will. I, hey, I think it's a, a, a GOPE... Uh, publication, but Andrew McCarthy, having the experience as a federal prosecutor, U.S. attorney, looked at the indictment and pointed some things out, and and I took it and I, I read through the indictment as well, and I agree with with Andrew McCarthy, of course, who wouldn't, and I'd be a fool not to. I mean, that's his job, you know, that's his specialty. But but here's the here's the issue: the indictment is purposely narrow and has purpose uh, deliberate omissions. What I'm saying is. This was to me the equivalent of you going let's say you're driving a car and you're going down the road a hundred miles an hour and you hit a couple of uh small children to make this really horrific and kill them and after an invest and you're high on meth and and also you're driving a stolen car and your license is suspended and oh i don't know, and you just killed your mother at home you know i mean th- just think of the most ridiculous things this indictment only addresses like the fact that you were speeding. That's how narrow this indictment is and, and now that's uh, certainly hyperbole, but you get the idea why? it doesn't address the fact that <clears throat> that Hina Alvi is in Pakistan. It could have been stopped from fleeing to Pakistan Has really no intention, I don't believe, of returning I don't know what's in her mind But certainly it doesn't appear that she's got any intention of returning to the United States It doesn't address that fact It doesn't address the fact that she was caught at the airport with $12,400 in her her baggage When in fact she did not fill out the forms They could have stopped her right there That's a felony Yeah, I'm not big on reporting that either But okay, you, you get the picture and it doesn't address the fact that, that, uh, that Imran Awan owns 12 plus houses, 20 plus businesses, some shell corporations, and that $283,000 that is the focus of this indictment is one of literally tens, 20, 30 transactions of a similar type. But at the epicenter of this is Debbie Wasserman Schultz. So today, 9 to 10, I go over that. I played some clips from Sarah Carter from Circa News at the initial beginning phase of the investigation to put to add the context, and then Wasserman Schultz about the laptop, and then I uh, added with Wasserman Schultz what her defense is going to be. So please, pass that around. And I, I wanted to say that only because I think this is perhaps one of the most underreported stories in the world today. Now, I didn't get a chance to listen to Joe and John's show today. Uh, I'm sure it was great, uh, but listen to that as well between 2 and 3. Blog Talk Radio and Global Star Radio Network, both platforms. So nine to ten, me, John, and Joe, two and three, and uh, I got to tell you, they're doing a great job. Their numbers are just incre- uh, collectively, our numbers are are incredible. So I want to thank each and every one of you that are, that are passing out news and information because we've upped our pro- uh, broadcasting from three hours per day to five hours per day. We've added uh, John in uh, to, to to chime in on things and. Both John and Joe are doing a fantastic job, and I just want to say thank you. And thank you for, for your assistance. I also want to mention one last thing, and that's the fact that there is a war in free speech. There's a war in truth. Truth does not sleep. Truth does not take a vacation. Truth is so important. We're not getting it from the media. And I've gotten a couple of emails. I just want to address this wholesale. You know, we talk about the corporate media. We talk about Sean Hannity and Fox News. The, the globalists are trying to, the globalists through the Murdoch boys are attempting to take down Fox News by attacking Sean Hannity. Peter Barry Chowka, one of the most knowledgeable and intellectual people I know, smartest guy, seriously, that I know, he's been dealing directly with this issue. Um, the emails I've been getting saying, hey, don't forget to mention Lou Dobbs and Judge Genie." Yes, they are, I, I think they are stellar at what they do as opposed to Sh- uh, Shepard Smith. But the golden... Key here is Sean Hannity. They want to take him out of primetime, and once they do, um, there there goes the the complete takeover. We have just we're hanging by a thread. The the corporate mass media, Fox News, is hanging by a thread to be included in as a somewhat semi-conservative outlet media outlet. Once they take Sean Hannity, it's like taking the 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 big guy, uh, you know, the bar. And Judge Genie and Lou Dobbs and, and others and Neil, even Neil Cavuto, I'll throw in there in Fox Business. Um, he's a great guy on his show as well. But, but the fact is, they're going after them. They're going after Sean Hannity. And we have to pray for Sean and, and keep him uh, in our prayers. And even some conservatives are going after him for reasons that I just find absolutely amazing. And lastly, Jihad Watch, uh, Robert Spencer. You know, it's, it's amazing, uh, how we, and me personally, and then we as a group are listed on uh, uh, Right Wing Watch and, of course, the Southern Poverty Law Center, ACLU, they're going after Jihad Watch, uh, Mr. Spencer. Now PayPal has said, we're done, you're done, no more PayPal for you. This is how they're going to, and I want people to really understand this, this is what is taking place with respect to, uh this is how they're going to shut us up or attempt to shut us up. They're going to censor us to the point where we cannot, absolutely cannot uh, do business. Go ahead.
4: In this first hour with us right now, we have Steve St. Angelo. He's an independent researcher of SSR rock, srsrockoreport.com. Started to invest in precious metals in 2002, later on in 2008. He began researching areas of the gold and silver market that uh, the majority of the precious metal analyst community have left unexplored he's been a guest on our show in the past uh steve welcome back to the show
1: yeah doug and joe it's great to be here and i have to say i was listening to what you were saying there uh doug about the uh how the mainstream media is really is trying to uh take out the alternative media and they're doing it in many different ways but yeah we're we're seeing that now it's, it's happening more and more and uh uh, not only do they go after the actual, let's say, person, uh, the website, but they're also targeting their their financial incentive as well. So, yeah, it is a an ongoing threat, and uh, it, it is it's it's really been beefed up here uh, in in the last few years, especially the last six months.
3: Yeah, I've I've never seen this fight take shape the way it is right now, and and I would suspect that you uh because of your your overall views and be, be because of your success uh more than anything perhaps your target as well and and we all i think we all in the alternative media must or the new media the independent media we must stick together uh the wars it's it's a raging war and people ask me and, and let me get your your take on this people ask me when do you think there's do you think, first of all, do you think there's going to be a civil war in this country? And if so, when do you think it's going to start? And my answer is, look, I think a cold civil war is already in progress. You know, as to when the shooting starts, I don't know. Uh, but, but, but the fact is, I, I, man, I just, I, I got a, some really bad feelings because I think the ultimate objective here is to take the president, Donald Trump, and the presidency itself, as well as our country, right down. What are your thoughts on this? Where we're at?
1: It's a very, you know, it's a, I look at, um... I look at things a little bit differently, but I also see there's two things happening we have the uh, political there's the we have two two different areas that are taking place at the same time we have what i call the outside, which is our our lifestyle our political kind of uh geo- geopolitical uh actions that are taking place um controlled by the elite uh all these things are happening uh in one area. And there's, there's control going on there. And then there's another area underneath that runs everything. Everything runs, but the energy runs it all. We can't talk unless we're, we have electricity going through the computer system. We can't drive somewhere to do an interview or to get to work without the gasoline in the car. So the energy is the underlying factor that makes everything happen. And that's in big trouble. It wasn't that bad back in 2008 when we first hit our first uh, economic shock, and then they've been papering it over. And so we have, this is a much bigger issue, uh, Doug and Joe. The energy issue is is in very bad shape, and it's getting worse. And then we also have on top of it the actual, uh, the insanity now that's taking place up at the White House. It's a circus now, and I, I don't blame Trump, you know. And so what's, what's happening, we're, we have Two of the worst worlds. You see, you could do. There could be plenty of corruption. There could be dictators put in. You, there could be coups. But you, if you have the energy to continue this system, then then you keep going and you're having. We've been doing. We've seen corruption forever. There's been corruption in the Roman Empire. There was corruption in the uh, in the English Empire and the Spanish Empire. It just continues. It's gotten a lot worse now. But we always had the energy to rely on to continue this whole thing forward. Well, now we were in serious trouble with the energy, and now we are in serious trouble you know, with the geopolitical and what's happening in, uh, in, in the establishment. And so I agree with you. Uh, now, I would conclude this part of the talk by saying what's happening in Venezuela is kind of the worst-case scenario. And if you look, just three or four years ago, things weren't that bad. Yes, maybe their boulevard, the Venezuelan boulevard, was starting to experience inflation, and then now it's hyperinflation. But at least they were kind of uh, functioning. But now people are starving. Uh, It's a disaster over there. So that's the worst-case scenario. And so is that a civil war? Well, maybe it's it's a war between the establishment and the people, but the United States is, is so many times larger, so it's a, it's a much bigger problem. And uh, I would have to agree with you, I, we don't know the date of when things start to fall apart, but I always look at the energy first, and the energy system is really getting in trouble, so I think there's not a lot of time left before the system starts to fall apart.
4: When you say the, the energy, uh, what would, would you say the energy what?
1: Oh uh you know the energy runs everything, and so um uh, it's like you, you couldn't have world war two the the Nazis couldn't have tried to take over uh, parts of Europe and Russia and if they didn't have the energy so right um,
5: right
1: we need that energy to function, and now the energy uh is in big trouble, and so you've got you' got the energy that's the that i I see a disintegration of the u s and global oil industry, and we're seeing it the facts right now, and so That is really going to cause a lot of trouble, especially, let me tell you, Venezuela, a lot of the reasons why Venezuela is in such big trouble, and it's not only the uh, communist government, the the communist kind of uh, socialism, because we have plenty of examples of corrupt leaders in the Middle East, but they're still doing okay, because why? They have very high quality, light, sweet crude. It's very cheap to produce. Venezuela has very heavy oil, very expensive to produce. I will, I can tell you this. If Venezuela was blessed with a lot of light sweet crude, which is very cheap to produce, even though they have a corrupt government, they would not be in that situation they are right now. And Egypt fell a few years ago because Egypt used to be a net exporter of oil. But when they became a net importer of oil, their whole system fell apart because why? They don't have a printing press. Like we do. We have a printing press. So because we import so much oil, it's okay because we can print money and, and give treasuries out. So I just wanted to uh, explain the, the dichotomy between the energy that runs everything and then this very corrupt governmental system that we have on top of it. So it's like, it's, it's, uh, there are two very bad things happening at the same time.
4: Uh, back to what you said about Venezuela, about him having, you know, very, a much more crude and heavier oil. I forget who we were talking to last week, I believe it was, but they talked about the fact that Venezuela has the number one oil reserves in their country. And they made the argument that they should be prosperous because of that. But you're saying because it's a different kind of oil, it's more expensive to it, produce. Or is it lift costs? Or both?
1: yeah well you see it's not just live costs because we know that Saudi Arabia has the ch- one of the cheapest live costs in the world but you know they're funding their government uh, on their oil uh, re- oil revenues and I think I mentioned this in our last interview they have been liquidating their foreign exchange reserves, which is their savings account which are you know their uh, foreign and u s treasury bonds their treasuries, they're selling those because they're not making enough money now with their revenues. Saudi Arabia isn't. And, and so they're liquidating their reserves, their bank accounts, so they can continue uh, funding their operation. Well, Venezuela is even more expensive than Saudi Arabia. But the, again, the problem is Saudi Arabia has the cheapest oil to produce. Venezuela is very expensive. It's very heavy oil and a lot of that comes to the United States because we are geared to distill or let's say to refine that heavy oil. And so again, if they need at least $50, $60 for heavy oil and they're not getting it. And so they haven't been getting it in the past few years. So it's really impacting them. And you're right, Joe, you're right. They have the largest oil reserves in the planet, more than Saudi Arabia. but its low quality oil reserves this is the issue if they if they had a quarter in light sweet crude they would be a much better situation than they are right now so and i mean the us we're producing record oil right now we're producing almost we may surpass this year or beginning of next year our peak set in 1970 the problem is nobody made any money producing this shale oil Uh, the, the debt on the balance sheets of these companies is off the charts. So what they did is they took investor money, they produced the shell, we used it, we needed it, but now there's a huge IOU, and they pay everybody who, who's actually given the money, we pay them a nice six, seven percent interest, but when these investors, which are pension plans, as well as mutual funds and and, uh, state and and public, when they come to get their investment back, they're not going to get their money back. Shale companies cannot pay the debt back. And so this is a big issue uh, going forward. And so I just wanted to explain that, that yes, I do agree there's a lot of issues up in the White House. There's a lot of geopolitical troubles. But underneath it, what's even worse is the energy. Because the energy, when it falls apart, then you have like, You have like the the collapse of the Roman Empire, which is they collapsed basically on their falling energy return on investment. And that's the exact same thing that's happening to the United States, exact same thing. And I think I mentioned this to you before. In 1970, the United States was producing 30 barrels of oil for the energy cost of one barrel. So you had a lot of profitable barrels of oil. We could build highways. We could build infrastructure. It was great. Well, now shale is at five to one. We're only producing five profitable barrels for every barrel of oil. And unfortunately, this very complex society that we have here in the U.S., we need something north of 12 to 15 to one to run everything. So we haven't been able to do that. We import the oil, and what do we do? We add the debt. So adding all this massive debt, whether it's public or private, Continues to allow us to do, do business as usual, but unfortunately, at some point in time, it's going to hurt us. So uh, I, I wanted to share that information because I want people to realize it's ju- it's not just the leadership, it's not just the elite, it's not just the, the corruption. That's bad. That's very bad. But underneath it, we have this huge energy problem, and uh, which is it, it makes the situation twice as bad.
3: You know, and I think you explained it very well. And correct me if I'm wrong, um, if this is not the correct, uh, article and, uh, audio report, but its market will fall by 50 to 75% as petrodollar and energy sectors break down. This from your website, August 14th. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. And then folks, uh, we're talking with Steve St. Angelo, uh, report.com That, that's a, that, that was a very, um, I looked at that last week and, and cause I have your, website bookmarked and I get a lot of great information from, from your website. Okay. That made a lot of sense now in the context of, in the context of how we, uh, how everything is, is put together. Now I, I, I kind of get that now. Thank you for that boost, that added boost there. By the way, uh, folks, we're going to skip the bottom of the hour break. I want to thank, uh, Global Star for allowing us to do that, uh, because our guest is an important guest and we want to get everything possible, uh, all the information from, uh, uh, Mr. Saint Angelo, as possible. So, all right, where do you want to go from here? It's the floor is yours because I know that you've got some issues that you definitely want to talk about. And uh,
1: go ahead. Okay. Well, you know what's very important. Uh, the, the, this is this is this is my research. There, why I really like gold and silver, especially gold and silver that's paid for, because it's it's like a it, it's like a piggy bank. You know, you put money in a piggy bank, and when you go to get it, it's there. Uh, gold and silver behave like that. But what, what they're storing is stored economic energy, because you can take that coin and trade it for va- something of equal value. Now, what what we have today, what the, with the um, Federal Reserve and the central banks and Wall Street have been propping up are stocks, bonds, and real estate. And so that's where 99% of the money is going, into stocks, bonds, and real estate. So uh to to prop that system up the, the the one trouble we're seeing now uh Doug and Joe is the real is the uh, retirement market. It, it just hit a record this year. Uh, uh in the first quarter of 2017, the US retirement market is now 26.1 trillion. And that's all these different kind of retirement accounts, it's 401Ks, it's uh, pension plans, it's IRAs, annuities. Now, what is the interesting thing I mentioned uh, in 2014 The the 401k market they paid out 29 billion more than came in. Now the defined benefit, which is more like a uh, it's a private uh, private uh, retirement area, you get uh, your money based upon uh, your 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 employment history. Well, they paid out 124 billion more in 2014 than came in. So. We, they don't have the uh, the um, uh, information for 2015 and 2016, but it has to be worse. And so what that means is this is a Ponzi scheme because people think when they put their money into a retirement account that they're taking this money and they're magically putting it in some big gold vault. So when you come to get it, then you're going to get your, your gold coins or whatever your retirement is. No, they're, you put the money in, they grab your money, and they give it to somebody else. And so it comes in and it comes out. So people think it's it's in some big uh, let's say asset, but those assets are highly inflated. And right now we're starting to see evidence that more is going out than is coming in. And let me conclude in the uh, retirement market that we hear that the state pension plans are in trouble. You hear, you hear Illinois and Connecticut, and New New Jersey, yeah, they're all in big trouble. They're underfunded. There's four trillion of these uh, state. Uh assets and they're underfunded by almost fifty percent two trillion dollars, but what's worse, the federal pension funds their assets are about one point six trillion they're underfunded by one point nine so we are in big trouble, and let me conclude by they're, saying
4: they're upside down they're
3: they're
1: upside, upside down.
4: down and okay. you're saying they're playing musical chairs with the money, people wow. who have invested money in their retirement accounts that you know some of that's been taken used out to pay other um, accounts and whatnot and money that's coming in will eventually go to pay for those accounts that big were created slush before funds. It, a big right. game of musical chairs yeah go ahead
1: yeah, and, Sorry. And, and that's the issue you see the federal government can do that why because we have the printing press the states don't so the the the, the federal uh plans the pension plans can be Severely underfunded because they can, we can print money, we can get money from someplace else. But all these assets, the 21.6 trillion of U.S. retirement assets, those are those are propped up. They're propped up probably at least by 75 percent. So when the asset prices finally pop, when we finally have this crash, and we can discuss why these, how much these assets are overvalued, that means the liabilities don't go away and so what happens is all these pension plans are going to be cut retirement markets are going to be cut we're hearing evidence that UPS is already doing it and that they're the, one of the biggest uh, you know uh, delivery uh, systems in the United States we all know the UPS guy well they're they're already now starting to put freezes on their pension plan so it, it the only way to keep that system going Doug and Joe is by allowing it the asset prices to go higher and higher when they start to come down and they really start to come down, then the whole thing falls apart, and this is exactly what the Federal Reserve is fighting against.
4: And We've seen this in Dallas, too. There's a number of law enforcement officers, for, former firefighters, who are getting limits put on their, uh drawing from their retirement accounts, even if they are retired, yep. and there is a, a big issue as to will this get paid out. So what you're saying is that some people are not going to get their money that they put into it
1: no because you know why and, and let me see if i can explain why that is because a lot of people never take it back to the root cause root cause you have to go back to the root cause the root cause is the energy so most people are getting paid retirement they get a little bit every year they put in so much or they they contributed so much or whatever they work so much and so they're getting a little bit every year well that comes from burning energy You burn energy in the whole system, oil, natural gas, coal, whatever, you know, nuclear, uh, and then it creates economic activity. And then with economic activity, we have some profits. And those profits are then used to pay off the retiree. Now, the problem is when someone says, let's say half the people want their money, well, you can't burn enough energy in one year to give them all their money. So all those assets, Are based upon, all the retirement is based upon burning energy. Again, energy is everything. So what happens now, now that the energy is becoming problematic, that's why we're starting to see everything is becoming underfunded. Now, yes, there is corruption. Yes, maybe some people who worked in California and now they're getting retirement of a hundred thousand a year, that's not, that, that shouldn't be. But it is. Regardless. The system is, is, being, is being disintegrated by this falling energy return on investment. When the energy return on investment was high, we could allow a somewhat profitable uh, uh, retirement. But now that it's really falling and it's not being able to, to let's say, fund everything, infrastructure, uh, maintenance, uh, government workers, uh, whatever, all these things, you know, the food system. I mean, the food system from growing to harvesting to processing to getting it to your dinner plate, that consumes 10 calories of energy for every one calorie of corn that you get on your dinner plate. So it, it, it consumes so much just to get the food to our dinner plate. So this is the issue, and I I think what's going to happen when the energy really starts to fall apart, and it is already, we're starting to see it, Uh, I can give you some examples of what's happening in the U.S., but when it really starts to fall apart, then you, you don't have the profitable energy to pay people back. And so what they're doing now is it's hurting it now. They are just cannibalizing a lot of these funds, and that's why they're underfunded. But soon, they will not be able to do that. So I would see going forward... When the market finally cracks, when they can't it up anymore, we're going to see a cut, a big cut in payouts, retirement payouts, and that won't last too long. And then a lot of these retirement pension funds, there will be nothing to pay out.
4: And that's a, a cold reality for many out there, or will be when they go to collect and are not able to. Um, you know, you mentioned the fact that we expend so much energy just, you know, in getting our food and, and all this. Um do we see in the in the market how one bubble affects the other now you you've been talking about energy but let's say the uh something goes bad with the retirement accounts how is that going to affect the housing bubble i mean aside from maybe retirees who can't continue to afford their mortgages but how would it affect it overall um if at all
1: it it will and you see i guess this is the issue everything is connected now and of course you all know that everything is highly connected and so this is the reason why we have seen in just the first actually i know it's up to the first five months of the year maybe it's been six the the asset purchases by central banks were a a trillion and a half in just the first five months and that was mostly japan and uh, the euro uh european union and so there this is a massive amount of money to go in and prop up this system now when one starts to fall then it impacts the other, because we have to realize real estate prices are based upon a highly leveraged system of uh, people paying the least they can a month to pay off their home. And you need 30 years to pay that home off. Well, when the market cracks, the housing prices start to fall, well, then real estate taxes are going to fall as well. And so I look at when the market starts to really implode, uh, we're going to see a decline, that's why I said it, we're going to see a 50 to 75% decline in stock, bonds, and real estate. But right now, they're doing whatever they can to prop it up because everything is based upon a growing stock, bond, and real estate market. And you know what's interesting? I'll tell you how, how inflated it is. Mike Pinto did a great, uh, he had a great stat. He said, if we look at the US um, market cap of the stock market, it's average when you take the stock market cap and you divide it by the U.S. GDP. It's been about 55% for the last two decades or so. Today, it's 135% the market cap of the of the markets. It's it's totally blown so far out of reality. And I would I would say that that 55% that he used is actually overinflated as well. So this goes to show you just how prompt up it is, but again, we, we're getting real estate taxes. the whole market is based upon an inflated asset prices. When it starts to fall apart, it'll impact everything guys it, it, it really will, and it it could fall apart very quickly, which that 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 aspect really concerns me the most because then 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 you do have civil war
3: okay, and then, now just so I understand this uh, correctly. And I, I think I do. What you're saying, and this really makes a lot of sense to me. If you consider the energy market, the energy sector, the energy period uh, as like the floor or or the ground, everything coming out of that uh, is resting. Their tent poles resting on, on on the ground, basically. And and when that ground shifts or, or collapses or whatever, the entire system comes down. Um, but but the energy sector is what's holding everything up, or the ener- energies is what is what is holding everything up, or causing the shifts in the segments, market segments. Is that right? Kind of. Yes. Okay. All right. Which which now that does make a lot of sense. So now I, I know I'm going to get a lot of questions. We're going to get a lot of questions during the program. Uh, you had mentioned the hard assets, gold and silver. You said you, you like the gold and silver. Now obviously that's the place. Physical possession of gold and silver is right now, I, I guess, probably the best place. It's a hell of a lot better than pension funds, right? Yeah. I mean, obviously. This,
1: this is the reason why. Because um assets, like a stock, their valuations are price to earning. Okay? So they give a stock price value based upon its future earnings. So, and that's based upon a certain amount of growing future earnings. So, it's with the, the, the stock price, I call it an energy IOU asset. You have to burn energy next week, next month, and next year to make sure that price of Apple, that price of IBM, that price of ExxonMobil stays where it's at. When you own gold and silver and you have purchased it, you don't have to burn any energy. It's stored. That economic energy has already been burned and is now actually stored in that gold and silver coin. And that's why they call it money. Because now somebody else has to burn energy. And we have to remember, everything is energy. You have to think of it like the matrix. If you look at a, a tennis shoe, everything, most of the value of that tennis shoe is all the energy that went in to produce that tennis shoe. That's the price of that tennis shoe. Yes, supply and demand do offer some volatility in the price, but the price of a shoe, the price of a car, the price of uh, a pair of pants, the price of uh, a wheelbarrow, the majority of that price is based upon all the energy, whether it's human labor, whether it's a natural gas, whether it's coal, all the, all the facets to produce that wheelbarrow and to get it to the store was the energy. So everything is energy. And so when you look at that gold and silver coin, there was a lot of energy in all forms and stages that went to produce that gold and silver coin. And it's actually 75, let's say 70, 75 times more expensive to produce an ounce of gold than an ounce of silver. Now, that's their cost. Unfortunately, the market has been deceived. It has been hoodwinked because of Wall Street and the central banks. What they've done is back in the 70s, Starting in the 70s, uh, and, and after 1980, when gold and silver really spiked, people were moved and funneled into paper assets and away from gold and silver. So they went away from sound, energy, let's say, stored economic energy assets like gold and silver, and they went into these paper IOUs, energy IOUs, and it worked as the oil industry increased oil production but now oil production is kind of peaked yes we have a little bit more but it's very expensive it's not really profitable and so this is the issue it's kind of like Bear Stearns Doug go back in 2007 2008 the market thought Bear Stearns which is one of our investment banks it was worth $90 a share well it wasn't it just didn't take about another couple 2 3 months and it went down it went down to $2 so the issue is Bear Stearns was never really worth that ninety dollars. For many years, it has it had lost. It, it basically had been a devoured, or let's say it disintegrated within. It was basically a shadow. Unfortunately, the mark when the market found found out, it collapsed. Now the problem is that's the whole market now. The whole market is like Bear Stearns. So there's very few gold and silver assets out there in the market. So when we start to see this breakdown in the market and 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 some of this money, uh, from what I understand, Doug and Joe, there's over 300 trillion. I think 330 trillion is what's in stocks, bonds, and real estate globally. When one or two, three trillion move into gold and silver, we're going to see those prices really move up. And so they won't be based upon what it costs to produce them, but it, it will be what they can store in value because now we're going to start to see a dis, a. Dis, integration and valuation of all these other ones, all these other stocks, bonds, and real estate.
4: Okay. And Steve, um, I have a few more questions, but we only got about, what, 16 minutes left of the interview. I want to make sure that we get into the commodities ad, uh, commodity ad network. But I did want to ask you a little bit about cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, and uh, we've seen their value go up recently. So if we have time, we can get back into, into that. But why don't you lay sure. out what the commodity ad network is?
1: Well, when you first started the uh, the interview, we uh, spoke about how the uh, let's say it's the largest ad network in the planet and their sister video company uh, is 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 actually censoring. And now I've talked to other websites, big websites, big video producers, and they redid the algorithms in the, a couple months ago, and a lot of people were hurt. But then they they came back online. Other people who do, let's say, regular mainstream stuff, they're, they're okay. But the alternative media has now been flagged as, uh, uh, advertiser not friendly or ad not friendly. And so then they start cutting these uh, advertising going to the, uh, to the video producer who uses that income. And so this is the, what's happening. Uh, the, the the large ad network is now targeting the alternative media. So now my webmaster, who is very, is a very bright guy. He's very intelligent. He's almost a genius when it comes to programming. He's been developing this alternative commodity ad network. And when it says commodity, it's just not metals. It's the it's for the alternative community. So what what he wants to do, and we actually already have a team. We have a team on board, and what we're going to do is we are going to get out of the whole ad network which is based on clicks not only do they do they follow everything you do they record it and they sell it our commodity ad network is is private that information remains private so what we want to do is we want to get websites such as yourself they would join the commodity ad network we would get advertisers who are in the same kind of niche they either sell precious metals, they sell resource newsletters, they sell survival goods, all these things. These are people, advertisers, that want to actually participate in this. So what we're going to offer, we're going to offer the websites that come aboard, the first 300 that sign, they'll get a $1,000 bonus off the bat. And then they'll be getting paid two or three times what the large ad network is paying, and and, and that is continuing to fall. So what we, we're trying to do, Doug and Joe, we're, we're trying to keep the alternative media message out there. We see the threat, and now I've heard they went after the videos first, now they're going to go after the website ads second. And so the, the way for, uh, let's say, publishers as yourself to survive, we have to make money. And so what it's important for the whole alternative community, whether it's the publishers or the advertisers or even the followers. It's good for everybody to keep this message out. So what we want to do is provide this new this new ad network that allows the message to continue and it, it also benefits the publishers who are putting out good good work on what is actually happening. And they're actually getting paid more to do it. They're getting paid more of the advertiser dollar because we we have to realize we need the advertiser. And we also need the, we also need the publishers, the alternative websites. We, they're, they're, they're both important. So this is kind of a, in a nutshell what we're trying to do. And again, the most important thing is everything, all the, uh, let's say the, the searching and the clicking, if you're going to click on an ad, all that remains private. It should be. And so this is, we think it, it's coming at the perfect time to offer this kind of, uh, alternative network.
4: That's a, that's very interesting. Um, do you need to get the people to sign up before you launch it, or are you gonna? How, how's this uh, gonna take shape in the next, you know, days, weeks, and months?
1: Okay, we um, we and let me explain this because you you talk about the crypto. Actually, this 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 um, commodity ad network is going to be funded by a CDX token. And we and uh I've look I look at the cryptocurrency market a little bit differently in this way. It performs certain functions that are much better, much quicker, and faster than the, the banking system is today. That's how I look at it. It it's as a is a technological function. We use debit cards, we use credit cards, we use check-in accounts, we use money wires. The the cryptocurrencies in a positive way do it much faster, much quicker, and much cheaper. And we're, what we're doing is we're going to fund it with with this cryptocurrency. Um, uh, it's called an a initial coin offering. And that takes place this weekend as well as next month. And we believe it's going to be very successful. And when it's successful, the funds are going to be there. And now I already have several people, several websites, many websites that want to join. And I, I am working with advertisers. So I think once the system, uh, we already have the ad network system. It's going to be custom, uh, let's say customized, programmed, and we're going to build this thing. And it actually, we're looking to go live on January first, two thousand eighteen. And so,
3: wow! And and you can and folks you can go to srsrocko report dot com. Click on the the very first uh, yeah, article. article right and then if you to get to the community ad network you just click in the embedded uh, link there and you can see it all laid out wow I'm, and uh, you can also go to commodityadnetwork.com. dot com right wow okay
4: sounds and like a great idea
1: well and I think the reason why and this is what this is what's interesting the large ad network says that they take a, they take a lot of money they take a lot of money and they say we're paying our our uh, publishers' websites very well. We we don't know because it's private. Right. Well, w- when you use a when you use a, a a it's called a token that is based upon the Ethereum blockchain. Everything, everything is there is public. the The search information is private, but the financial information is public. So there's no way you can we can actually prove that we're paying. Or the commodity ad network is paying this much to the alternative websites, and again, we feel there's going to be an ongoing trend to try to stifle the alternative media message. We, you, you spoke about that, and I, I, right. I'm oh, hearing yeah. it's big it, time. It's cool. big time. So, yes, uh, I have a little bit mixed feelings about cryptocurrencies, and that's due to the energy. But this, this. This cryptocurrency or this CDX token, people would get paid in that. The content creators would get paid in that. And then they would, they could immediately get their, their dollars, their uh, Canadian dollars. They can automatically get their dollars out. And what's also fascinating about this, uh, if, let's say it's your site or my site, I still learn about new sites all the time, alternatives. I still come across them. The one thing that this ad network would provide. Would be provide anybody in the network like yourselves, if you choose, you could advertise your website to reach other folks that have never heard about you before at half the cost of the advertiser. So, and that is just something if the uh, the content creators, the the websites would choose to do that. So, uh, it actually would help build more traffic going to these alternative sites, which would actually build more of the word. So, we we want to keep the word going, and this was one way to allow more and more of the alternative media message to stay alive up against you know the forces that are trying to really stifle it.
3: And now what okay just so I'm clear on this you're not going to provide the video platform for example you're not you're not um, going to be a substitute for YouTube you're going to be a substitute for the ad generation To keep the um, alternative media funded, correct?
1: Okay. At first, we are going. We we want to bring on the website. Right. However, the next step next year, you see the ads. The ad network that we're going to use, the ad server. It's called a Revive ad server. Already has the ability to do you to do video ads. However. We have to implement that system. That's the next goal. Okay. Because we want to not only do for videos, we want to do for social media. And another bad thing that's happening in the advertisers, and I don't blame people who go to websites, they get ad blocked. Because you go to these websites, they're popping up ads. They're, oh, they're, yeah. It's very annoying. We're it's not going to have them. Launchers. Good. We're not gonna, that, that's, we don't want any annoying ads, no pop-up ads ads that are pleasant to look at, and also the ads that are more geared toward the alternative media uh, message. So uh, that's another big plus, but yes, the video the video producer, that is the, the next goal. That is the next big goal, and we, we think this will be very successful. You see, a lot of these initial point offerings, they're offering these companies that are using this to start these interesting companies, and some of them are very interesting. They're trying to do a lot of things. But they really don't have a good business model. Our business model is to bring on the advertisers because the advertisers are going to benefit a lot better than being on the large ad network. They will benefit a lot better. They'll get more bang for their buck. And so when they come aboard, then the money starts coming in. So this, this, this commodity ad network is designed to be a very good business off the bat, not a year or two or three years later. It will be. It'll start right off the bat, bringing in the uh, website as well as the advertisers. So I just wanted to add that.
3: I, I gotta ask. Are, are you the brainchild behind this? I mean, it, this is fantastic. No, I, and, uh...
1: I wish I could be, but I'll tell you, it's Peter Frolish. He is my web designer, now, he just updated my web uh, my website about four months ago. It's lightning fast. Uh, I, I go to some of these other websites, and they're very slow. And, I, and he is very good at what he does. He's been working on this because you see, he he lives in in Eastern Europe, and he had a very good uh, a very good company. And he uh, actually, it was a company that helped uh, Europeans, Eastern Europeans, learn English because a lot of them were moving to different, uh, like to England. So he had this, this this program to help people learn English, and he used. The large ad network, which was very small back then, and he got a lot of very good response. His company really flourished. But what happened is, that the big advertisers came in. They bid for the words, and they stifled not only the small and medium businesses on the internet. They stifled the small and medium advertisers. And so, our 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 commodity ad network system is more democratic. It's 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 actually for smaller and medium advertisers as well as smaller and medium websites. And so that's more we're catering to, we're not saying we're not going to bring on larger ones in the future, but this, Peter came up with this because he saw how people were starting to lose money. And it's especially now, especially in the last six months to a year that it's really been ramped up. So. uh, Using the cryptocurrency system, the token, to fund this operation, and then to, it seems a little technical, guys, but really it's, when you look at the positives, and I'll just say this, when you look at the positives of of what these tokens can do, they make the banking system uh, uh, obsolete. However, there are some negative things about certain aspects of the cryptocurrency, but in this kind of closed system for our, which is called the CDX token, which the advertisers would either buy or they would pay cash, this is a closed kind of a system. And, and so it, it actually facilitates everything very, I mean, doing wires to different countries is very expensive, but when you're using the, the tokens, it's very fast and it's very inexpensive. So that we actually tapped into a very good way to actually to do this whole commodity ad network.
4: Okay, and wow. so you believe that the the <clears throat> bitcoins and other cryptocurrencies are more stable um, now, and and I say that because we've seen Bitcoin continue to rise and then have sharp falls, but rise back above um, their previous high. Do you think that these are are stable uh, currencies of, of the future?
1: Mm, my my uh, my. Opinion or not, is still up in the air. I will tell you this though: I've spoke to some of these, these this, a couple of these crypto guys. The cost to produce a Bitcoin, it's over a thousand dollars now. One Bitcoin, in, really? the expensive, in the expensive mining machine that you have to buy, the electricity is off is off the charts. And I believe, it, I think I did the last time I did it. The Bitcoin production in one year consumes the same electricity as Albania. <laughs> Okay. So when we look at it that way, yes, it it, it it's kind of the program is built upon burning a lot of energy and using a lot of it, uh, capital in the miners to continue producing more bitcoins, and as time goes on, it gets more expensive. However, I, I said this in the past interview. I don't know how long our energy system will last. You know how before things start to become problematic, uh, and that something on a very highly technical system. Is fragile. But in the meantime, if we're trying to put out the alternative message, I don't see any, tr- any problem using the, the positive aspects of the cryptocurrency market to facilitate that. But again, I still feel that even though a lot of funds are going to move into cryptocurrencies, uh, they're going to be more problematic. In time, when energy becomes a problem, but I don't see a problem. As I mentioned before, I don't see a problem with people investing in cryptocurrencies. But I do believe it's very wise to also have more of your investment in sound physical assets like
3: gold and silver. Understood, understood. Steve Saint Angelo, SRS Rocco Report dot com. Always a crowd pleaser, man. Not a wasted word in that, in your segment. And uh, we're going to uh, We are going to have our eye on. Commodity Ad Network and uh, be talking to others about it. And going to your website from there, we can go to Community Ad Network and elsewhere to keep uh, to, to, to uh, keep the status, right? Learn the status yes. of everything.
1: Uh, and again, uh, there's there's going to be a pre-sale this this weekend, and then uh, it starts on 26th. And then there is going to be uh, anybody who is in the crypto market and understands that uh, there's a 100% bonus in the, in the pre-sale, and then there's going to be an, uh, that's between August 26th and se- August 31st, and then there's going to be an initial coin offering that takes place in September 9th. And this is all shown on the commodityadnetwork.com. Anybody who wants to contact Peter at commodityadnetwork.com or Steve at commodityadnetwork.com, we could provide more information. And I do appreciate you guys allowing me to talk about this because it, it's the, the The motivation behind it is really is really to continue getting uh, paying the alternative uh content creator like yourselves or websites okay, putting out the work to, is to help them to continue doing what they're doing and when someone is actually who comes on as a website and they go through the process um you don't want you don't want anybody that's really, let's say, dangerous. Uh, dangerous as, as in you know, using a lot of foul language, just th- something that's really off the wall. But we're not going to, you know, if you're out there and you're putting out the word about what's happening, you, you're not going to be censored. That's the All kind right. of people we, we want on the site.
4: Beautiful. It sounds great. We're going to have to have you back on. We are out of time. Actually, went over by about a minute. It's great to have you on. Steve Angelo. thank you so much. SRSRockoReport.com. We'll talk with you again in here in the near future. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. Thanks, brother. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. And it's environmentally friendly, yeah, that it is.
3: It'll provide safe and convenient power for recharging uh, six AA batteries off the grid. When other power sources aren't available anywhere, anytime, in any weather, day or night, go to GreenInnovative.com. That's GreenInnovative.com
1: You should have
4: a minute man, the survival stove in an m o k
5: PreciousTimberProfits.com PreciousTimberProfits.com
3: Hey, welcome back, folks. This edition of the Hagman Report, it is Wednesday, or Tuesday, uh, uh August 22nd. I almost did what Joe did yesterday. I think it was said October. Some you know the air feels sometimes like October here of late. I don't know. Um sometimes it's cool, sometimes it's it's hot. It's just weird weather. But nonetheless, it is August 22nd, 2017, and I'm Doug Hagman and uh our next guest coming up folks um I, let me tell you you you're, you're going to want to stick around for this hour. Because this next guest is an amazing man, he's he's got an amazing book, and I'm going to be talking talking to you about that here momentarily. I want to remind everyone this Thursday, Paul McGuire is having his monthly prayer prayer meeting, and I would urge everyone to go to paulmcguire.us if you're within a day's drive of Los Angeles of of uh, well, of Los Angeles, you're going to want to attend Thursday's prayer meeting with Paul McGuire. I have, I, I'm going to tell you, I have never heard anything. Um, I've, I've not attended myself only because I'm on the other side of the country, but if it was within a day's drive of me, I would attend. I, honest to goodness, because I, I've heard so many great things, but go to us and sign up, register for the event's free. You just have to register to attend the prayer meeting on Thursday, this Thursday. So please do that. And 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 please, uh, if you're within a day's drive, because Paul McGuire offers such a powerful prayer, uh, inspiration, information, uh, and having it for free. Man, I'll tell you something. It, it um, well, wow, it's just it's hard to, for me to even describe what happens. It's it's a really a truly spiritual experience. So, Paul definitely go there and register. And, uh, for, from, from there, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, you know, send me an email. If you do attend, and I hope you do, send me an email. If it, if it's your first time. And let and introduce yourself to Ball, too, and tell them where you heard it. But, uh, I'd like to hear what you've got to say about that. Uh, before we get to our next guest, I just want to mention that, you know, the deep state is in, is in meltdown right now mode. They're, they're going after everything possible. The headline on Drudge right now is about McConnell. Uh, essentially freezing out, or perhaps Donald Trump freezing out McConnell, but but there's there's a freeze between Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump. And McConnell has been privately spreading around information where he doesn't believe that uh, Donald Trump is going to survive or last in his presidency. Now, I'm talking about politically. I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about politically to survive. Mitch McConnell, as far as I am concerned, now this is a guy who said, um Donald Trump just doesn't know how things in Washington work or essentially don't work. They don't work and and they like it that way. That's who we're fighting against. That's that's really uh one of the poster children of many of the deep state. Mitch McConnell. Uh the House uh, majority or Senate majority Leader Mitch McConnell, I should say. That's very interesting because you know he's he is the face of the establishment. That's for sure. And um uh, Uh, it's And and we're hearing talk of the Congressional Black Caucus, the 47 members there. I mentioned that this morning as well. Where you've got the Congressional Black Caucus putting together or pushing for impeachment of Donald Trump. And how insane is this when you look at the composition of the Congressional Black Caucus. The the 47 members, they, they started back in 1971, but, but can you see the fracturing and, and the exploitation of the fracturing along racial lines, along economic lines, really across all lines we're seeing this. And we're seeing of course, uh, Mitch McConnell, the, the face of the establishment Republicans coming out and saying, oh, uh, you know, no faith and, and pushing for the, um, the freezing out of Donald Trump, and and that that goes. Donald Trump doesn't really have much use for McConnell, given the fact that McConnell is a boat anchor in in uh, in the in the Senate. So, all of this taking place, and of course, you know, we're still right now still seeing some ripple effect from what happened last week with Steve Bannon being ousted uh, outside of the White House. I think that's rather interesting. Maybe that's the wrong way of saying it, being ousted from the White House. Steve Bannon leaving the White House. It's going to be interesting to see how that dynamic plays out. We have our eyes on that as well. And don't forget, again, uh, I want to remind everyone, we need to follow the, the biggest spy ring in Congress right now, this to me dwarfs anything post World War II after the you know the communist, the the Joe McCarthy era. What we're seeing right now in Congress with the the Awan cabal under Debbie Wasserman Schultz, and I truly believe that Debbie Wasserman Schultz should be in shackles and prison orange. I truly believe that. The more I dig into the more I dig into the Awan cabal of criminal conduct, the treason, the sedition. Oh, the treason, I suppose, by definition. Uh, well, not even treason, I'm sorry. The espionage, I guess, is the proper word with respect to the the Awans and everyone associated with them. That folds over into the intelligence community as well. Th- there's some help there, I suspect, by the intelligence community. So you've got, by rogue members of the intelligence community. So that's what we're we're watching so it's a very complex and very uh robust dynamic that we're watching take place right now now charles sasser is an author uh he grew up on a farm where poverty was a step up for him and uh he served in the U.S. military for 29 years, active and reserve. He's a Green Beret, by the way. He served as a police officer for 14 years in two major cities, Miami, Florida, and uh, uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Actually, Tulsa, Oklahoma is where my friend Pat Campbell is, and KFAQ. He's a talk show host in the morning, KFAQ, Pat Campbell. If you happen to know him, say hello to him from me. Good guy. He's got like, you know, a dozen kids. I mean, he's, he's just a great guy. He's a great father, a great husband. He's just a great guy, great talk show host. But anyway, uh, Charles Sasser, uh, was also a detective in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma as well. Then Governor David Boren called him, referred to him as, uh, perhaps the best homicide detective in the nation. And knowing what I know of our guest, I, I certainly agree. Um, he, uh, also attended school. He's got degrees in, uh, history and anthropology. And, uh, he's a director of, uh, criminal justice at American Christian College. Now, I went through his book, Crushing the Collective. And, uh, it, it was a fantastic book. One of the things, let me just, I mark something down here, I wanted to make sure. You know, you know, you've all heard, uh, you've all heard us talk about, let me just, uh, make sure I got this right here. E-e-e-e, the cycle, that liberty, it's the bondage of liberty cycle. It's called the, uh, uh, tyranny to liberty cycle by Alexander Tyler. Now, when you look at that, according to it, humankind historically and endlessly goes from goes around and around through the same cycle: from bondage to spiritual faith, from spiritual faith to great courage, from great courage to liberty, from liberty to abundance, from abundance to complacency, from complacency to apathy, from apathy to dependence, and they're uh, they're on from dependence back to bondage. Oh, well, that's where we are. Yeah, yeah. I think we're just waiting to be to you know waiting now. Uh, Charles Sasser has written a book and it's available at the WND Superstore. Go to WND Superstore and get a hold of this book, "Crushing the Collective." I, I've got to say, I it's a thoroughly enjoy. I, I enjoy reading it. I was I was informed by it. The last chance to keep America free and self governing. Now this book to me represents everything that we talk about. In includes everything we talk about, addresses everything that we discuss. But it also offers the solutions that, that, that we can employ to keep Americans, keep America free. And I just, I want, I, I thank him immensely, not only for his service to his country, not only for his service to our nation as a police officer. And perhaps, you know, as uh, the Oklahoma governor said, perhaps one of the best homicide detectives in the nation. But I thank him for also writing this book. I think it's fantastic.
4: Do we have him on? Yeah, we do. And, Charles, on your Skype uh, page, could you click, if you want to come on video, can you click the video uh, or the little camera icon? Should we have you through audio? We don't have you on video yet. Yeah. Where is he?
0: Oh. Um, uh, that says it's all. Click
5: right there and see if it's on. There. No, right here, babe.
0: There. Oh, there it
5: is. I don't think you got up
3: on it. I, I love it. This is exactly what I do every time. All right. All right. All right. You all right. You're up. You're that's Ready to rock. Beautiful. All right. Well Mr. Sasser, thank you so much for your time, for your gift of time, joining us here tonight on the Hagman report. Thank you so very much.
0: Well, thank you for having me here. I'm I'm privileged.
3: Well, I'll tell you something. The book that you wrote and, and uh, provided uh, us a copy with, thank you so very much, uh, was an incredible read. And, and, I, and I read your bio, by the way, or I offered your bio right before you came on. I don't know if you caught any of that.
4: And I like from the um, from the Superstore page on WND, crushing the collective illuminates the very real dangers of the socialistic mindset that is currently threatening Americans' freedoms and the very existence of our great nation. And it goes on to explain a lot more at the WND Superstore, but a fascinating book. Uh, Charles, what led you to write this book?
0: What caused me to write it? Yeah, Yeah. What, what led you? What was your motivation? Well, I think it's probably because of current events. If we look at current events now, I'm a historian. If we look at current events now, this is not the first time that this has occurred. matter of fact, this same cycle has occurred throughout history from the very beginning. And it occurs almost the same way, as you just pointed out to Alexander Titler or Tyler, which it's referenced both ways, that we go through this cycle. Every society goes through the cycle. And if we look around right now, if we look at our society, we're back on the dependency stage. The next step is back to bondage. And you can see with the chaos that's occurring right now in our society that we're only one step away from tyranny. And I predict I absolutely predict That if Donald Trump is elected again He will be impeached These people will impeach him This is a silent coup that's occurring It's the first time in our history that we've had a coup But it's occurring right now And we're witnessing it It, Let's
3: talk about that um, If if you don't mind And, And by the way This is your hour We just want to make sure you know that So you can go anywhere that you want to go But what we're seeing happen today, uh, to to me, th- this is the most perilous time in our nation's history in modern times. It, it dwarfs Watergate. It dwarfs the 68 riots. It dwarfs, I mean, I can't think of anything in modern times that compares to this. Um, how do we get here today at this point in your view? Because you go through a lot in your book, the historical parts of your book. I mean, it's just fantastic. It's a, it's a great resource, by the way. But how did we get here today with Donald Trump in the in the Oval Office, Hillary not, um, and all of the deep state operatives that are pushing against
0: Donald Trump? How did we get here? I mean, What well, if you if you look at this, you know, it's an interesting point. Let's look at a little bit of history here. That the first settlements in the New World, first settlements, Jamestown and Plymouth Colony, were both communist. They were communists way before eighteen forty eight and Karl Marx ever showed up. They, the governor said in both instances the governor said that everything will be shared in common we will do work in common we will share the produce in common and as a result in the first two years 80% of Jamestown perished but once they began to give individual plots and let each person be responsible for his own care what happened? Huh. Plymouth Colony did the same thing, they were almost all dead, but what happened? We had Thanksgiving and as the governor said, never before did they suffer from want after that. But We didn't learn from that. We didn't learn from that. Mankind throughout history, throughout history, has always gone from the individual to the collective. The individual, the, the most, the freest, most individual person ever in the world was the early pastoral people if you didn't like the way things were going you packed up your at level and you scooted out you joined some other group or you had plenty of places to go well we've we've lost that in recent in recent history And i think we can start we can trace today's events we can trace today's events back to 1945 anyhow and probably 1920 the uh, 1920s for example you know that uh, that Hitler in Mein Kampf paid gratitude to the United States for many of the ideas of euthanasia from eugenics that was pretty much started in the United States you know, trying to breed a perfect people but in 1945 the Frankfurt School moved, well you know, had entered nice warfare between communists and fascism Communism and fascism are the, are the same they're not one left, they're not one right They're the same thing with very minor difference. Both of them are socialism. Both of them lead to the same conclusion. But at any rate, the Frankfurt School uh, moved. They were communist. And because they were communist, Hitler kicked them out of Germany, out of Frankfurt. And they eventually end up in Columbia University in New York, where one of the Marquis and uh, what was the other guy's name? Uh, Marquis and I've forgotten the other guy's name but there were two of them there, the main points of the Frankfurt School. And they made the remark that communism, socialism, will never be brought to America by force as it was in the Soviet Union. That the only thing they could do was a long march to take over the institutions. And that's exactly what's been happening since then. All these years we've seen this, they take over the institutions of... of, uh, of Education of media, of politics, of entertainment, and especially of education—you take over an institution and you corrupt it essentially, and that allows you to take over the country. And, th- and that's what's been happening. And uh, the thing is, what we don't seem to understand right now, with all this cry, hue, and cry about fascisms, about fascism, about Trump, about Trump being a Hitler, about him being fascist. No, that's not what happens. You see, communism, pure communism, can only succeed in a nation, in a country that is pre-industrial, like the Soviet Union was. Pre-industrial was an agrarian society, so it took over. A society that is post-industrial, as the United States is, and a successful industrial society, the way it will be taken over is by fascism the government insinuating itself into every area of our lives which has been happening lately. There's an old saying that something about burning books, people who will burn books will eventually burn people. Yep. Hey, look at what's happening now. Right now in this, our society, we're removing today, I read in the Tulsa World newspaper, I'm, I live near Tulsa, and what they're mm-hmm. doing is renaming Robert E. Lee School, they're renaming streets, same thing in Oklahoma City. And when it comes to an all-red state like the state, like the United States, the red state in the United States, you know that something big is happening. So, we're moving all the statues that offend people. We're changing sign. We're changing uh, street names. We're changing. We're going to bomb or blow up the faces on mountains. Uh, it crazy. just goes on. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. But but th- there's a purpose behind this. And the reason why it seems that that we're living in insanity is because actually we are. I call it cultural insanity, and uh, we keep doing the same things over and over again. And people say, "Let's be optimistic. Let's let's hope that can that we can revive, that we can remake, that we can bring back the United States of America." You know, I hate to I hate to be a, a, a pessimist, but I think it's too late. When we have forty-seven percent of our people dependent, one form or another, upon government largesse, then we have reached that dependency stage. You t- you give people something, they don't want to take it away, and each individual thinks only of himself, not of the nation. What can I get for free? Yep. Give you an anecdote, if I may. Sure. I was interrupt me anytime you want. Oh, I no. get started on things. I'm very passionate about it. Just, just I was an was an undercover journalist, in Occupy Wall Street. Now these petunias, most <laughs> of them were college people, but these petunias—they had no idea of what they were asking. It—they were running around with signs, that says, "Free education, free public transportation, free food, free everything." And I keep asking. Nobody knew who I was. I was scraggy looking as the rest of them. <clears throat> Nobody knew who I was, and I keep asking questions. I would say, who pays for this? Why? The rich. Of course. Of course. Government will pay for it because it's not fair not to be it. But these are petunias. But here on this guy, on this one table, they were rolling marijuana cigarettes and passing them out. It had the highest crime rate in that square block. Highest crime rate in the nation. The first night I'm there, there was a rape, an assault, some guy urinating on a police car. I mean, it went on and on and on. All, on all, the, stu-
3: all the stuff your mama, your mama would be proud of you yeah. doing, right? Rolling a fatty right. and peeing on a tire of a police car. I, I, <laughs> w- w- what a great picture that is. Okay. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> but who do we have? We have President Barack Obama, who comes out and commends these people as the future. Now that's scary. Nancy Pelosi. I mean, it goes on. These these are the future of the nation. They tell us. If they are the future, this is a scary future. And I I believe it may be our future, because look at the ignorance. I I I I've, I, I've taught. At junior colleges part time for about 40 years and lately I begin to see these, these kids, see what their safe spaces, you know they're being offended by everything I begin to see these people they're incapable of coping with reality they're incapable of being independent I'm firmly convinced of that now, that, that, that it's a mob mentality a collective mentality a collective mentality that this is crushed, it will crush the rest of the nation, and we're going to end up as Rome ended up. We're going the same. We're going the same way. If we look at Rome, we look at, uh, at, at all the various nations, Greece, uh, look at the Persians. We look at these societies, and they all went exactly the same way. You destroy the institutions, so let's, you, you just go through them you go through them first of all the perversion in Rome you you had all the perversion we had 300,000 people men 300,000 of them in Rome who were on welfare on the public dole able-bodied people were on the dole we had uh, barbarians at the gate they began to bring immigrants in to take care of, of the people themselves because what happened our men became weak and effeminate, and weren't able to take care of themselves. We see high taxation was going up. We can see all the things that we have seen in our society today that were occurring, and they occurred in Rome, and here that cycle is again, and now they've been here. And, well, look at what we're doing to our men, for example. I mean, our men are shaving their chests and wearing earrings and ponytails, and in, in 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 grade school, teachers are encouraging boys to be more effeminate, to be more sensitive. Hey, I don't want sensitive men. I want men. A- a- so
3: amen to that. Yeah. And I just want to mention, uh, thank you Global Start Radio Network. We're going to skip the bottom of the hour break because we want to hear everything you've got to say. Mr. Charles Sasser, our guest is Charles Sasser. The book, Crushing the Collective, it's available at, uh, go to the Superstore, WND Superstore, get this book. A couple of the chapters and just, just, uh, had me rolling on the floor. A couple of chapters. Uh, how about this for a couple of chapter headings? Uh, Traumatized in Studentville. Uh, I don't need a dude. Wissification. I knew this book was for me when I saw that. Wissification, A gay gay a gay gay world. Yeah. Uh so you folks, this book. And he, this this guy, the green beret, 29 years active in, in reserve military. Homicide cop a cop in two cities. He paid his dues. He knows what he's talking about. He's written like 60 books. I don't I don't know 10,000 magazine articles or or. Right. This guy writes all the time. Uh, it must in his sleep. I don't know, but he this book is great. Crushing the collective. Um, I just want to say one thing to, to what you were talking about. Now that I reintroduced you, um, I told my son he came home with an, he, he, the day he comes home with an earring, he's gonna have gonna have to have uh, restorative surgery on his ear because that thing's gonna come out. And I ain't gonna you know I'm not gonna it's gonna. It's, I, didn't I tell you that I was gonna rip it out of your ear?
4: that and tattoos and there you everything go. else so anyway all right sir go ahead but but charles go let's up. um go back we go back to rome what's so i mean we see that incrementally they've been able to push this uh for the uh, the movement the ignorance that we have now people blindly going out in the street to protest not knowing what they're protesting calling things fascist and racist without any basis in fact or truth what's different is it the technology that's different about our society than any other society? Because I see, I mean, just if you look at what happened in Charlottesville, they've been pushing since the uh, church shooting in the South, the Dylan Roof shooting uh, for the Confederate flags, and that was a little alarming. I guess I understood it to a degree, but then we see this event in Char- Charleston, and then boom, all this change instantly. And it's not even in America; it's across the world. You see this, you know, all these people coming out to protest racism all these people coming out to protest fascism, half of them don't even know what it means. Is it the TV and the
0: technology that's aiding in ignorance with these people? Yeah, I think that the technology is a large part of it. You know, I, I recall from the Bible it said in the end days, knowledge will intensify or something the fact that wisdom will decline. And I think we're seeing that. If you look right now, nobody participates in anything anymore. Uh, they've even got virtual reality, those little goggles. So if you want to climb a mountain or you want to sail the sea, all you do is put on the goggles and you sit and get fat on the couch. And while you watch virtual reality. And technology, there's been all kinds of studies done on kids and technology, on their cell phones as early as four years old or five years old. They've got a cell phone and they play games and so forth on it. And uh, so they sit and they play on these games. And this Studies show that such, that these kids are not maturing anymore. That they don't mature. That they don't, uh, they, they, they don't essentially integrate within the community. That we, what we have, we have is people isolated. And, uh, with I, a technology has is isolated us one from each other. I can give you a couple of anecdotes. For example, one of them, I, I was a performer. For for uh, uh, dinner theater for for many years. Well, we closed down recently. Why? Nobody participates. Nobody comes. Nobody participates. I was a cowboy. I was a roper, steel roper. I was a rodeo bronc rider in my early days and a rodeo clown. But recently, I've been heading and healing. All the places that I started that I was roping, all of them started closing down. Why? No young cowboys. They're all in the basement. Playing video games, and I I'm firmly believe that any, go to any, go to any neighborhood anymore, and people are involved with machines rather than with each other. So I think we should, machinery technology is a two-headed, is a two-bladed sword, and I think that contributes to this this sense of uh, sense of loss that so many kids seem to have. Had. So this this sense that that. Of hopelessness, I see it in hopelessness in students. I think this contributes to that to that that whole enigma of, uh, of of that we're seeing that's occurring in this country. To this, to force people, it almost compels people at times to to join in these mobs because to find some kind of identity that they can no longer do individually. And uh, I think individualism has, has is out of style now. Collectivism is in style. The individual is no longer an individual. And he won't be as long as we continue to move toward a collective state in which we are told, you know, when we can eat, when we can sleep, where we can work. And, and it's it's reaching that point. I can see it happening. With we get you know fifty thousand new regulations and new federal regulations in in three or four years, we have fifty thousand of them. And each one of these regulations takes a dozen regulations in order to to enforce that one. Yeah. So, I don't want to appear hopeless. I don't want to appear hopeless. But if we don't crush this idea of the collective and go back to individualism, and we start by demanding that people are independent, we encourage people to be successful. We encourage people to be independent, and I think President Trump has been trying to do that. And uh, but very few other people seem to seem to realize what's happening. I think that's motivation for this book. I say, look guys, look, this is what is occurring. If you don't wake up, if you don't wake up, this has happened throughout history again and again to every empire you, and you, now you're
3: you're that, crushing the collective is is our guest book go to WND superstore use promo code hagman. you got to get this book Wissification that chapter alone is a, is just is worth every penny of the the book but 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 you know to me, collectivism in control. Are symbiotic and, and I mean, it's all about control, isn't it? Um, yes. okay. That's what, you know, I figured that your introduction, by the way, of the book was just fantastic. How you explained about growing up in the best, really the best age. And, 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 yeah. you know, I just don't see us ever getting back to that point because of the collective that you talk about and the control that is being forced down our throats. and about uh, your grandfather saying, I think it was your grandfather saying, uh, to uh, you know, what can government do do for me? Is, is stay the hell out of my, basically, stay out of my business. Yet yeah, everyone. Just leave
5: today. me
3: alone. Leave, yeah, leave me alone. That's right. And and now it's kind of the opposite. So it's it's fantastic. Well, keep we'll keep going, man. You, you're on a roll. I didn't mean to
0: interrupt, but you're you're just, I, I love it. Well, you know, the best lesson I ever learned in life, best lesson. You know, like, like I think in my introduction you said, you know, we were we were so poor that poverty was a step up. We lived at one time in a dirt floor chicken house. We lived in a barn. My dad could neither read nor write. But we accepted nothing. We accepted no charity. You just didn't accept that was humiliating to accept charity. So we made do, working in cotton fields and whatever. But one year when I was about twelve years old, I always like to tell this because this is the best lesson I learned in life. My dad, we must have been particularly hard up that year because my dad finally consented to taking what he called gimpy groceries, government surplus commodities. You go down to the county barn, sign your name, and the government fills your sack with beans and powdered milk and cheese and so forth, free. Well, it's mighty painful, but it's free for you. But my dad was too proud to go himself, so he sent me, and I'm 12. Now, I've always been a scrapper, you know, I'm a fighter. Uh, Right now, I'm an ex-kickboxer, pro-kickboxer, an ex-boxer. And I I was a scrapper growing up as a kid. So I'm 12 years old, I go down to the county barn, and I get in line to to sign up to get the gimpy groceries. One of the workers there, one of the guys who worked there, government worker, I must have gotten out of line or something, but he pushed me. And here I am, I'm ready to fight this guy. And he says to me, boy, if the government feeds you, It'll do what it damn well pleases. Best lesson I've ever had in my entire life. I never accepted since then. I went home and I told my mom what happened. She said, We will be beholden to no one. So we didn't take empty groceries. So, but the point I think more than anything else is, is once a person is dependent, once people are dependent. Okay, let's look at, let's look at the black culture. Right now everything's racism. I'll be I'll be considered racist. You can call me a racist, but I'm not. I mean of course I'm not. But I will be. Why? Because what was this that um, that nineteen eighty four George Orwell said those who speak truth will be demonized? Well some you know, I may paraphrase it. Any rate, look at the black culture. You know in the nineteen sixties, and nobody wants to tell you tell anybody about this, nineteen sixties. Statistically There was almost no difference between the black culture and the white culture. The out-of-wedlock rate was almost the same. The fatherless rate was the same. The employment rate was the same. The crime rate was almost the same. What happened? 1964, the Civil Rights Act. We had the Great Society. Followed all these things. Here, I I always give anecdotes. What I do, I tell stories for fun and profit. I was traveling on a motorcycle for a year, living in a tent when I first got out of the service the first time. And I live with a black family in Mississippi, and they were sharecroppers. And I live with this family. And uh, Papa George told me, he says, "You know, things are changing. We're being told that whitey is all to blame for our condi- for the black condition. Things are really going to change now," he said. And then I at Miami as a cop. I worked a salt and pepper team, black cop, white cop, working the ghettos. I was involved in the 1968 riots, and uh, we have not seen anything. They were bad. We had five people killed, I don't know, dozens wounded and injured. I ended up in the hospital myself. Thirteen bullet holes in my police car after two days.
3: Just another another Tuesday back then, right?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, too. I just keep talking. No,
3: no fa- this I, I I don't mean to interrupt, but this is fascinating. Uh and this I promise this will be the last time I will interrupt, but but this to me is fascinating because this is history that the, the 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 I can't use the P word, but the Wussies need to hear. And and thank you. Thank you, Mr. Sasser, for writing this book and also for being on our program. This is what these people this is what they need to hear. Go ahead, sir.
0: Oh, I would just say, but you know what happened to the black culture? like papa george said they became dependent upon government first of all we said well you really don't need a father because you got welfare we'll have we we'll put welfare so you know fathers are irrelevant anymore and uh, you can eat you don't have to work because you know we're going to you're poor and primarily a lot of it is because you don't work that you become poor and and tell me and don't call me racist i grew up in poverty and i know how to work so we had we had that they became dependent and next thing you know, we had the black population put back on the plantation in the ghettos. We put them back in, you know, because government promised to take care of them from cradle to Remember during Obama, the Obama campaign when the girl named Julie on the, one of their ads, government will take care of you, essentially, was what it was saying.
4: Yep. Well, you... I'm not going to have to put gas in my car. I'm not going to have to pay, you know, my,
0: my rent yeah. anymore. Exactly. <clears throat> that woman who said that, remember. Very good. Yes. We don't have to do any of that thing. We don't have to be dependent upon ourselves anymore. Look what happened to the to the Indians. And I'm, I'm a Quarter Creek Indian. My grandma's name was Rachel Sitting Down. But I lived on the reservation at Four Corners and have a whole reservation for a while one time. And uh, alcoholism rates out of this world, suicide rates out of you know just soaring at the time. Of course, unemployment. They don't have to work anymore because and we destroyed. We've destroyed those people. What people fail to understand, skin color has nothing to do with any of this. What it is, is the fact that we've taken groups and split them into groups and made some of them dependent on the government and turned them against everyone else. Oh, when I was on the by Wall Street, (laughs) there was a little black guy. He's the only friend I really made there. And why he became friends is that he was... Sending little buttons, selling little buttons for five bucks a piece that it said "Occupy Wall Street" on So he sell them to the tourists that walked by. And so it had these little dreadlocks and the whole bit. And so I walked up one day and I said, "You are a dirty, rotten, lousy capitalist." And we both laughed about it and became friends because he had here the here guy is had used a little invention, a little inventiveness, and become and was selling these pins and making some money. While all these other clowns are sitting there getting doped, you know, and protesting that they're not getting free stuff. Well, the politicians are saying, yes, yes, these poor people, this is exactly what they need. They need, We need more equality in this country. Let's make everybody equal in misery. And that's what we're doing. We're making everybody equal in misery. And, uh, and we think we've seen misery yet. We haven't seen misery because of what's happening. Like you said, burn books. The next thing is you're going to burn people. We're already saying, you know, certain people, you cannot voice certain ideas. Do you realize we're now 46th in the world when it comes to freedom of press and freedom of of, uh, of speech? And primarily, Cheryl Atkinson wrote a great book on that, in which she, which she, which she stated that why we're we so low in that is because of political correctness and self-censorship. Journalists like myself, I'm I'm lecturing now at different places on freedom of speech and freedom of press. And people don't realize that we self-censor ourselves unless we speak in the approved manner about certain topics such as gay marriage, such as race, uh, uh, transgenderism. Unless we speak women in the military unless we speak the approved politically correct method then we don't write about it anymore we become cowards so therefore the media has become the liberal media has become dominant in our nation, in our society and it just uh, I don't know it just it, oh, right now we're seeing, we talk about Rome and the other countries they begin to import immigrants to do their work for us well, look what we've done. We want to open our borders to let anybody comes, the poor, the downtrodden, et cetera, etc. And instead of asking for people who will contribute to society, these people come in and they're immediately put on welfare. And they're not even citizens yet. And non-citizens are protesting in the streets, immigration policies, and they're, they're here illegally and they're protesting that they're, that they're not left alone completely. So we see this this cultural insanity infesting our nation. And uh, and unless we wake up, unless we become aware, which is what I've tried to do with the book, I'm saying, look, guys, this is what's happening. I end end my book with with the the section on the decline, on what happens in. And I call it such things as epic misery. We'll all be equally miserable because... There will be nobody successful. Successful is punished. Success is punished now. Anybody successful, well, they're not being equal. And then I say, hail the Messiah. Well, that was on Obama. And and the pod people. And that, again, goes back to the Frankfurt School when we had infiltrating all our societies in order to turn our country socialism. Look at at the last election. Look at how many young people were drawn to, to, to Bernie Sanders. Yeah. I mean, a lot. People voted? Wait, what
3: the yeah. heck is up with that? Expl- yeah. Expl- explain. Explain. And he won the primary
4: me. if it wasn't really stolen away from him, and he had a really good chance of beating Trump if he did win that primary.
0: Yes, a socialist for a Marxist, not a socialist, a Marxist. He 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 went on his honeymoon to Moscow, for example. He he campaigned against the Cold War in favor of Soviet Union. I mean. He had a Soviet flag flying when he was mayor there in that little town in in Vermont. He had a, a Soviet flag flying in his office. And why did these people vote for him? He could almost became president of the United States. A Marxist that confirmed that's because people are not taught history anymore. Young people are not taught history. Have you seen some of these citizens on the street interviews? Oh, yeah. Uh, Mark Dice is one of my
4: favorites. It's, it's amazing to see these.
0: Yeah, these people, I mean, you asked it, Well, one person said, well, uh, asked when was the Civil War? 1942? <laughs> uh, uh, you get these kind of answers. Absolutely no knowledge of our history. And now we're destroying our history. We're destroying already stored crosses and religious symbols. Uh, you know, the next thing is we begin to destroy people. Look what you, if you try to speak on a college campus now and you're concerned, me? I go to a college campus, guess what's happened? We have a riot. Because why? Because I speak something they don't want to hear that offends them, that is not equality, that is not part of the of the dialogue of of, of socialism. Charles, let me ask they you know?
4: this. And sorry for just jumping in here, but this is something that really gets me frustrated. When was it okay for people to uh, shut other people down, shut other people out, call them haters, racist, whatever the term is, for because they what they say offended you or other people what because other people are offended in their emotional sensibilities they think they can shut they have the right now to shut another person out when was the right to offend people implemented in this country to the point where uh, that right was taken away basically it's been a right all throughout human history but now you know how do oh, we
0: better be careful we don't want to offend anybody when did that happen Oh, it, it it like everything else. It was part of that march through the institutions, that long march through the institutions. It was a gradual thing. Uh, if you notice, first of all, you know, we on, in in high schools we begin to have bullies, and you were taught that no, you don't fight back against bullies. You, you give them your lunch money instead. You don't fight back. You don't fight back. It started with you don't fight back, uh, and, and then gradually it became well, if if you're a minority. And, and you speak if you speak out against any minority and it doesn't have to mean that you're speaking out against them as a race but you're speaking out against certain conditions or something that's not well you can't do that it just a gradual bit by bit by bit and then pretty soon it just evolved most recently under the Obama administration actually it really exacerbated exacerbated under yeah. the Obama administration primarily because oh but look pardon me he lit up the White House when gay marriage was was legalized in rainbow colors. Now, what kind of insanity was that? Yeah, that offended chose, me, you know. <laughs> yeah. But you don't you know, see well, them stopping be because of the offense on other people. Well, you can't be offended. You're conservative. Conservatives are not allowed to be offended by by burning of statues or toppling of statues, or you know, you're not allowed to be offended. But uh, so, so, Mr. Sasser, uh, the, the the one
3: thing that I'm really, con- uh, really concerned about is the speed in which we are seeing the events take place right now. This is breathtaking to me. The, the, as you mentioned, you know, you burn a book, you you you, you have to burn a body, basically, uh, paraphrasing now. Uh, but the statues, the the uh, shutting up of people. I mean, we're seeing this happen in rapid fashion, and and few are standing up to to, to counter this.
0: Um, you, you remember, and when when Barack Obama came pra- was 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 uh, uh, campaigning for presidency, he made the remark there: "We're only two days away, three days away, or whatever it was, from the fundamental transformation of the United States of America." He was a man built for that time in period. He was men built for that time. He he was well. Here, this sounds like conspiracy theory, but I can prove everything I I put here. I, I document everything. George Soros funded, funded the presidency, the campaign for Barack Obama. He funded the, the campaign for for Hillary Clinton. There was a lot of money put into that. We keep saying, we keep saying that they won't, the left wants us to believe that the KKK and the white supremacists and so forth are a threat to our nation, are a fascist threat. No, they're no threat. They have no power at all. They're, they receive no funding. I mean, there is, everybody knows that they're, they're despicable people. So, so, I mean, even we all know they're despicable people. That whole idea is despicable. They're a small group. But what the group is that opposes them, they're large, and they're well-funded, and they're bust in to oppose anything like that. And then we hear this narrative how, they're, how fascism has taken over the country. Well, if fascism is taking over the country, it's not going to come from, from people like the white supremacists. It's going to come from people like uh, Antifa and all those people. That's where the fascism is coming from. Uh, don't, don't talk, don't write anything. Did you, did you know that our books, our books are now on the internet, are now being censored, uh, that they're being uh, How so? if, if it, well okay, I'll give you an example like Huckleberry Finn, a gem in there? You know he was known as in gym? Well, in has been completely taken out. Uh, and, and a lot of the other books are being the same way and Huckleberry Finn was, was actually banned on a lot of school campuses along with several other books uh, but I, I fear I fear do you remember there was a book, a, m- a movie called uh, Logan's Run in which uh, in which the people li- at 30 years old they went on I think they called it a carousel and if, essentially they were killed and so nobody, there were no old people, but these man and woman escaped. Young man and woman and they escaped when it's their turn to be killed. And they went down to the hinterlands and they came across an old man and they were amazed because they'd never seen an old person before. This old man had a library and they'd never seen books before. And they were absolutely amazed. I'm telling you, I know what's going to happen. With the internet, do you realize how much power Google has when it comes to knowledge? Determine what knowledge is, is passed on to the people. And if the government takes over Google, regulates it as they intend to do, as they will do, then the government will control the knowledge. What kind of knowledge is is, trans, is transmitted and who it's transmitted to. Who can speak on it and who cannot speak on it. Talk about people who then... Talk about freedom of speech being curtailed. At that time, it will be. Who's and far? the books. Hmm. About Google. What's the
4: difference if, um, if Google... Is uh, tied up to this liberal agenda and believes in it to the point where they're already censoring. I mean, what difference would it be
0: if they were already doing the work the government would do? Isn't that one and the same anyway? Not yet. You know, that's one of the indi- you know one of the indicators of fascism is big business and government working together. Uh, right. That's one of the things. So what you know if 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 the government regulates that that company. Theoretically, it will still be a free, independent co- company, but it will not be. It will be regulated. It will be regulated by the government. Did you know that? For this is an interesting thing. Chucky e. Schumer, our friend Chuckie Schumer, uh, in Congress, Chuckie Schumer proposed a bill. It wasn't passed, but he proposed a bill that all journalists be licensed by the U.S. government, even down to bloggers. Now, we saw how well that worked out in, in, in Mao Zedong's China, which regulates, uh, not only the internet now, but it internates, it, it, it essentially, you do what the government can, what the government tells you, and all their, like, journalists are licensed. And so, therefore, they don't publish anything that the government doesn't approve first. Now, we're seeing this begin to happen, and, and this ebook things mm-hmm. will do it. There may not. There may be few books if this ebook craze continues. There may be few books that will survive into future generations. That will. That much of our history will be destroyed down the memory hole, down George Orwell's memory hole. Much of what we of this society has preserved or thought valuable went to the internet, but then it will disappear down the memory hole in future generations. Be so easy, because there may not be books in order to preserve this kind of thing. I mean, I can go on and on, which I guess I've done in my book, uh, which goes on many, in many different sections. Government intervention—you uh, know how government comes into the rescue. You, he, government wants to protect you. I'm here to, I'm here to help you. You know, we can see—you know—the regulatory, the public trough, like a bunch of pigs. We run for the public trough to get some Free education, Bernie promised free education for everyone. That it was a right to have free education. When I went to school, when I went to college, I was 28 years old when I finally got there. Vietnam veteran, ex-cop, had two kids. So I get to college. And uh, nobody wanted to hear. It. Even then, even then, it was coming to the, this political correctness stage. It was already starting near. I was never so disappointed in my whole life. I'd always wanted to go to, to, to the university. I was never so disappointed in my life. I was taught by a bunch of kids... Who had absolutely no knowledge of the real world. Some professors offered to let us vets, to give us vets of gentlemen, C if we just not show up in class and pollute the class. You wow. know, you, I mean, these are the things that were happening then, and all the marching. you remember the marching, the end of Vietnam marching? And, oh, yeah. And uh, you had this all the time, these petunias. Of course, I was very popular because I spoke out all the time. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I still get... You can't believe the hate mail I get sometimes. Uh, oh, 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 we can believe it. We, we get it here, too. <laughs> did
3: it. Oh, yeah. You get it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> speak, out, it. speak out against uh, a homosexual marriage. You get to use condom in the mail. It, it happens all the time. I mean, you know, the the, the most vile and, and some of the most crappy uh, responses from this generation of, of uh uh, putrid masses in some cases and i'm sorry about that we, we only have about two two and a half minutes left uh, of our time together i can't believe it's gone so quickly charles sasser is our guest his book crushing the collective required reading i believe available at WND superstore it is um uh use promo code hagman when you go there uh crushing the collective uh, WND superstore author charles sasser i want to, I want to thank uh uh, Michael Thompson as well. Now, you've got the last word with a uh, minute and a half, uh, Mr. Sasser. Oh, by the way, let me ask you a real quick question. Uh, KFAQ, Pat Campbell, my good friend out there in Tulsa, you still live out there. I don't know if you know him yes, or not. Yes, he does. Yeah. Yes, he does. Yeah. He
0: still has a program there.
3: Man, you got I got to tell him about you. And you got, um, I don't know if you know him or not, but you, you got to be on his program. Yeah. He's,
0: yeah. Been, I think I've been on the program several years back. Okay. All right. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. He's got, he's got to get no, your, He's got to get you back on. This book is tremendous. Go ahead. You got the last word. We got about a minute. Well, I think what the only thing I can say is is if what we are living through. I always say that I had the privilege of living through some of the best days in America, and now I'm having uh, <laughs> being unfortunate enough to live through the final last days of America, and, and it, it, we will see the last days unless we can crush this whole idea of the collective. We are not collective. We are not collective. We are individuals. People can't seem to understand that anymore, that we are individuals, that we were the first nation in the world that, that, that declared that, that we were free and independent by virtue of God and uh, that built our entire nation on the idea of individual freedom. And now we're attempting to destroy the, the Constitution uh, next thing to burn, we'll be burning the Declaration of Independence. We'll be burning the Constitution. Uh, we'll be burning people who disagree with it. And uh, it, it's going to be some, as the Chinese philosopher once said, "May we live in interesting days. We are living in interesting days. Absolutely, folks. Our guest is Charles Sasser. His book,
4: Crushing the Collective, go to the Daily Superstore, superstore.wnd.com. Use the promo code Hagman, but I urge everybody to get this book, Crushing the Collective, The Last Chance to Keep America Free and Self-Governing by Charles Sasser. and A, a guy
3: that should be on every conservative radio and television show on the, on the planet.
4: And I should say pre-order the book because it's not released until... The 12th of September, 2017. That's the publication date. We snuck one up. Yeah, we we, we were very fortunate. Mr. Sassler, thank you so much for joining us. We are at the end of our interview. We hope to have you back on here in the near near future as we uh, continue to, to watch what happens in the world and how the country changes. And it seems more and more like your book is right on the money for the times that we live in. It's... I don't know this there's, there's interesting times. indeed it is.
3: God bless you and the missus, Have a great night. Thank you so very much for your gift of time, sir. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Folks remember, we'll right back network break up next Standale
2: Just what kind of thriller predicts the future? In Three Days in the Belly of the Beast, Daniel Holdings wrote about the God Particle before CERN actually discovered the God Particle. In As the Darkness Falls, Daniel wrote about an Islamist terrorist confederacy that rose up out of Syria and declared a caliphate three years before ISIS was ever heard of. In his newest novel, Between the Veil, Daniel talks about a space between dimensions where supernatural beings can walk. He says that these novels are a warning from the Creator to His creation.
5: Capital appreciation and exceptional income for up to 60 long years would be an absolutely brilliant investment to pass on to future generations. Diversify wisely with direct ownership of fully managed coconuts on prime farmland close to the beautiful Costa Rican border. For more information, qualified accredited investors should go to ProfitsInCoconuts.com. Or phone 855-888-6288. That's 855-888-6288. This announcement does not constitute an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offer made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288. Or visit ProfitsInCoconuts.com. ProfitsInCoconuts.com
4: final hour on this tuesday edition of the hagman report each and every tuesday in the last hour we are joined by stan deo his website is stan now stan has had the last few weeks to recover from a surgery he had that from when i when i was talking to him earlier i guess it was pretty successful he said it was able to get rid of some pain that he had for a number of years stan it's great to have you back great to have you back on the show
6: Good to be back, and you're right. I do feel like uh, bending over and touching my toes and all kinds of things I couldn't do for a long time for, uh, I guess, maybe the biggest part of 22 years.
3: Well, that's that's fantastic. Man, that's great.
6: A lot of your listeners uh, emailed me and said, you know, during the time I was off and a little bit before that, that they were praying for my recovery and stuff and health, and I'm sure that those prayers, uh, you know, were effective, and uh, we were able to find a surgeon that would actually perform what they call exploratory surgery and get into my uh, area under the ribs there and uh, she was able to immediately locate the problem and and cut it out and uh, you know the next day I felt like a million bucks but um, I've had to take it easy you know not do heavy lifting that kind of stuff I've still got a couple weeks on
4: restricted activity but uh, hey I feel great so thank the Lord for that Well that's wonderful Stan you can't beat that especially after as long as you said you were dealing with a problem to to have well, it away you know, after all that, taken away after all these years—that's got to—it's got to make you feel good.
6: Yeah, look, I—I I fell out of a tree uh, when I was cutting some stuff, and my ladder broke under me, and so I fell off the top of the ladder, and uh, as it was collapsing, and uh, fell on my side to protect my neck. I put my arm under my neck and head there, and uh, anyway, it protected the neck, but uh, it kind of caused my body to bounce up. You know the head and the feet bounced up and kind of compressed the rib cage and fractured a rib. And they didn't think it was worth um, the doctor didn't uh, at that time uh, worth uh, draining out the blood that formed uh, under my ribs. There was a big pouch of blood from the, the breakage. And now I just leave it; it'll be absorbed. It'll be all right. Well, years passed and it got worse and worse and worse. And I couldn't get a surgeon to get in there and, and fix it. They just didn't want to perform exploratory. And uh, finally, this lady up in the springs. Uh, she's good surgeon. She said, look, I'll do it. Darn it, she didn't find it, and so I was so pleased.
4: That's great, Stan. Well, we just got done with the uh, the solar eclipse, looking at the show images page. Folks, go to standeo.com. On the right-hand side, uh, on the right-hand side of the mic, on the right-hand side of the page, there's a button that says show images, and you can follow along with what Stan's talking about. He puts his research and findings there for us on the shows each Tuesday. So where do you want to begin tonight, Stan?
6: Well, eclipse is kind of current in most people's mind. You know, they were all uh, worried about earthquakes and stuff, and splitting America in half and all that kind of stuff. And I've compared uh, the seven days before the last seven days, in other words, over the last two weeks, uh, the earthquake map summarizing week at a time from the 8th to the 15th of August compared to the 16th to the 23rd. Of course, some of the earthquakes are called 23rd now because... On that side of the planet, we're getting earthquakes, so that really means today. But if you'll click on that uh, image 50, right at the top of the page, you'll see up at the top uh, the earthquake patterns across the lower 48 a week before last. And you'll see earthquakes in the New Madrid region there. You'll see um, earthquakes in Oklahoma Oklahoma City around all the fracking taking place. You'll see them in California in those little... Pathways of mountains and fault lines that go, sorry, that go up. um, You know, the the west coast there and uh, inland toward uh, Yellowstone. Now, scoot down the the, uh, bottom part of that image, and you'll see this week after we've had the eclipse. Well, you see the same earthquakes in the New Madrid region. You see the same earthquakes over on the west coast and up the mountain range toward uh, Yellowstone. So, at the moment. I'm saying that, you know, the earthquakes in the United States anyway weren't triggered by that, but we do know that after uh, an eclipse like this, a solar eclipse, total eclipse, that historically there have been within, say, eight days to two weeks, of significant earthquakes, but not, you know, always under where they pass. Uh, they would be like uh, 50, 60 miles either side of the, the path that the eclipse shadow was uh, forming. And so I'm I'm reserving, you know, complete um, dismissal of, of the effect until we see what happens over the next week to two weeks. Um, but a- immediately as of, you know, today, which is only a day later, we haven't seen any significant increase in earthquakes uh, in the uh, lower 48. And that's why I put it up there to show people At the moment, there is nothing to that, so don't panic.
4: Okay. Yeah, there was a lot of uh, hype with this eclipse that, you know, a number of things were going to happen. I even saw an article that linked, uh, you know, increased terrorism to the, increased terrorism in Europe to the eclipse in the US, which I thought was kind of silly. But it seems that most of the, or all of the, what would you call them, doom predictions for this eclipse. Did not materialize into anything, which was always good to see.
6: Yeah, and I saw some of those reports or forecasts that people were making based on things that happened in the past. And when you look at the the date that they, and the earthquakes, it's big earthquakes that they quote were part of, a, of an eclipse, a solar eclipse thing, you'll find that, you know, some of them were several weeks apart and one was a couple of months. And I say, yeah, well, sometimes these things drag on, you know, and they, the effects don't become immediately apparent, so therefore we're going to say that they occur because of the eclipse. That's just not strong science. So, um, but having said that, uh, if there had been areas underneath the shadow uh, of the eclipse, if there had been areas where earthquakes were on the verge of occurring, then the added gravitational pressure of the moon and the sun may have just been enough to increase the what they call the moon tide in the land to trigger that earthquake. But I didn't see it, so but we do have moonquakes, things that, um, as the moon waxes and wanes, uh, it uh, does tend to trigger certain areas where earthquakes are already about to, to happen anyway. It just kind of pushes them over the edge. So, it, yeah, you, you just got to kind of watch the data and be a little bit careful about getting too excited, you know, because it's not necessary. Um, my son, Jeff, over in Louisiana. Uh, sent me a link to an article, which is down in slide 44, third row down. It says, Southern Louisiana actually looks more like this, and uh, if you click on that, you can see on the picture, you can see a big picture of the image showing the true outline of Louisiana uh, before the coastline started uh, receding, going back up toward the north of, of Louisiana, so technically out in the ocean offshore, uh, that's Louisiana from the original Louisiana purchase, but if you click on the text underneath that, it'll take you to the article. And, and it says every, it's in Business Insider. And there's a, a, a video to explain it. But every map of Louisiana is a lie. What it really looks like, uh, should scare you. Meaning that the, the coastal waters are encroaching further and further north in Louisiana, you know, because of the, the, uh, Poor planning, I think, mainly is what it, it's showing in the various uh, cities there, which don't uh, build dikes and things like that to keep the the, the, the sand and the, the land of Louisiana from washing out to sea and eroding down. But uh, look at that video. you find it quite interesting. Um, and, of course, we've got the, the, the Mississippi River going off to the east of that. So you can see that this is erosion due to uh, poor planning by, by city planners.
4: That's uh that's very interesting, and I just looked at it. It says Louisiana lost nineteen hundred miles since nineteen thirty four, I believe it was.
6: That's recent, isn't it?
4: Yeah, that is recent. Pretty no. interesting.
6: Yeah, of course, my son lives over in Louisiana, so but up in the north part. So I suppose that, that that's uh, personal of interest to him.
4: of that magnum movement heat what is causing the the what rise is of the
6: may be part of the the thing that's pushing the swarms we're seeing over there and into uh, Montana. Back over to image 42, uh, Holly told me about something and I started looking into it.
4: Would try to cool off a super volcano?
6: <laughs> I don't know. I mean,. Uh, it, it-
4: care how they spend other people's money Um, it's just crazy to me what these people think they can do Uh, cooling down volcanoes blocking out the sun with chemtrails I mean it's never ending
6: it is northern hemisphere, so the spread of it took a while to get up in the northern hemisphere across the equatorial wind. Uh, otherwise, we would have seen you know massive uh, famines, which would have hit like in Europe.
4: Absolutely Um, Moving forward Stan You gotta uh, get into this The image 46 and 47 Egyptian Sphinx with lion's body and woman's head Greek Sphinx with woman's head and lion's body So you have these Two different areas of the world Egypt and, and Greece And you have the same or similar type statues That
6: is interesting. It's something that I've been aware of for a number of years, having read some of the old um, biblical scholars' analyses of the Zodiac.
4: Uh, that's pretty interesting, Stan. Especially, the, you know, uh, I
6: find weird image stuff Image 45. Here, there. Yeah. Image, yeah. Uh, if you go down to the, the text in Image 45, you'll see a lot of other photos taken inside that. And it's just really quite intriguing. People don't think about, you know, uh, Hebrews, you know, Jewish people having a synagogue with the star signs. And they think, oh, that's astrology and that kind of stuff. But it really wasn't. Totally
4: different. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Making mm. yeah. of signs. Oh, we're um, up against the
3: break. Uh Stan, hold that thought. You're listening to Stan Deo on this edition of the Hagman Report. Standeo.com is his website. And if it's Tuesday, it's Tuesday with Stan. Uh I'm glad he's back. Back in the saddle. That's great, great. Check his website <laughs> out, Standeo.com. Stay right where you're at. Give us three minutes, network break.
1: We found that most people don't have enough food and water to survive, let alone any medicinals to save their life. We are offering 25% off our must-have American Heritage Armies Kit. It contains 12 homeopathic armies, a booklet that goes over everything in your kit,
0: and our brand new book, Major Disasters Lessons Learned. Just enter coupon code HAGMAN. In life or a disaster, you must be able to take care of yourself. You may not be a medical
1: doctor, and your grandmother and your great-grandmother probably weren't either. But they still knew how to minister to their family's health issues, and so can you. Check out our American Heritage journeys Kit at www.changelisthewoods.com. Your life may depend on it.
4: And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this final hour of the Hagman Report on this Tuesday. Today is the 22nd of August, 2017. Standeo is our guest. Standeo.com is the website. Make sure you go there, bookmarkstandeo.com, as well as check out the show images page that he puts together each and every Tuesday that he comes on the show. Stan, where do you want to go from here?
6: Well, during the break, I got an email from one of your uh, listeners. Uh, We'll just call him George. And thank you, George. I've emailed you back. Uh, he was giving me some of the stats on the uh, triggering of earthquakes. Most of the six-plus earthquakes have occurred three to five days after the full moon and to a lesser extent after the new moon. Um, and if you go online uh, to you know, Google or Bing or something like that and type in lunar land tides, uh, you'll see that it does address the problem of the sun's gravitational field and the moon's gravitational field aligning, and uh, normally lunar tides from gravity of the of the moon in its position around the Earth may cause a bulge of up to about a meter, you know, about a little over a yard, rise in the land and the ocean. But uh, people don't think about lunar tides in the land, but this bulge follows the, the path of the moon, at its close points uh, around uh, the uh, the Earth, and at its uh, its far points at that at, at uh, uh, the farthest part of its orbit from the surface, um, both things can do something to the crust with the change is stronger or or less in the gravitational field between it and the uh, the Earth at that point. So look it up. There are a number of articles in uh, Wikipedia, and uh, you know some very learned scientific uh, American type articles in there. So. Uh, thank you for that, George. Uh, earth tides are really quite interesting and the Wikipedia article has a very nice color uh, images showing the uh, the pull, the vertical displacement of the surface of the Earth as the moon passes at its uh, close point. So bearing that in mind, the the eclipse, why people were kind of concerned about it and still may be concerned about it, is that during that alignment period, you have the added pull on the Earth's surface of the moon and the sun in alignment. So that does put extra force on it. If it doesn't happen, you know, like in the last 24 hours, according to the stats, we might have to look at uh, a week to two weeks, as I said before, before we see any other triggers that uh, occur after that. I don't know why, and uh, I don't know, you know, whether... uh, George knew or knows uh, he might email me later and tell me why this is delayed like that. But that's the way the stats are, and a number of people have tried to uh, predict earthquakes based on the the lunar tides and uh, you know the, the total solar eclipse tides as well. We'll keep an eye on it, and uh, certainly, yeah, could be interesting. Um, okay. Now, there's another thing kind of fits into prophecy in slide forty-eight. The slide you look at says, Smart Dubai Towards Becoming the Happiest City on Earth. If you click on the picture, it shows you uh, a sample of what you would see under this new Smart Dubai dashboard or or an app. And they are putting everything that's happening in Dubai uh, into this database there. So that people can look for projects and how far they are from being completed, they can look at how many square feet of solar power their own roof could supply and get, uh, you know, a, a kickback of a power uh, bill from the uh, Dubai government. All kinds of things. I mean, this is just. If you look at this picture, you'll see that there's uh, projects, events, places, and dimensions of places. This is probably the most advanced smart city that's been developed so far. But where this is heading is toward a cashless society so that everybody is locked in on this, their position where the, where they are in town, and their buying and selling is done by a personal ID, probably a biometric type signature. Now, the reason it's caught my attention is if you click down onto the text 48 Smart Dubai, you get to the website on LinkedIn, uh, which is put up showing uh a video of the presentation of this system to the Dubai government and it's being presented if you, uh, let me see, if you go down toward, uh, uh, let's see, where's the video? Is it here? Now, somewhere on that page you click to get the live video link of this lecture that was delivered by Esri, uh, which was started by a guy named Jack Dangevin. Now, it's at the very Jack bottom is, of
4: the article, Stan. At the very bottom I, is the video. Yeah, there at the very is, bottom yeah. is the, yeah.
6: Yeah, at the bottom of the page. Now, Jack is there shown uh, turning the, the system over to the Dubai representative there. Now, it's interesting because in my first book uh, on the Finding of Atlantis and the Garden of Eden in 1989, uh was the Vindicator Scrolls, you know, Volume 1. And I needed to have some 3D images of the Middle East made. At, at that time, these were very difficult things to get. There wasn't any Google Earth, that kind of stuff. There was only Jack and his team. Uh, his company is called Esri, E-S-R-I. And um, Jack started it down there in Perth in 1977 when I was down there. So I got to, to have the advantage of all the databases they had of the world at that time, which included topographic maps that they could make 3D beta viewpoints all around uh, Saudi Arabia, which I needed uh, to find the uh, pillars of Hercules. Anyway, Jack, uh, his last name, his real last name is Dagermann, which in French means world danger, which is rather prophetic in itself, because what his co- company does and has done for some time since then is compile all kinds of statistics, whether it be money, population density, uh, you know, population, uh, Mobility, you know, mobility from this place to that, uh, uh, earthquakes, uh, you know, volcanoes, anything. You think of that can be applied over a geographic space on the planet. They have put into their database, and you can apply it to your city uh, for projects or whatever, long-term planning for water, for electricity, all kinds of stuff. It's just, you know, it's better than Google Earth in that it, it just applies so many other factors and stats to a piece of dirt on the earth to a piece of her uh, sea as well. I mean, it, it does the whole magilla. Now, anyway, I, I, I found it interesting, as I said, because Jack and his team helped me write uh, or make the images for the uh, Vindicator Scrolls book. And uh, now, of course, uh, Jack personally is worth 3 or $4 billion and is all over the world with his uh, products. And this most current one is a lead-up to the very, very smart cities, which will keep an eye on you and all kinds of stuff. That's one of the things that can be applied to the geography is where people are, how much they make, how much heat they're producing in their home, I mean, all kinds of stuff. And, you know, ideally, I think this is a great idea to help manage and plan cities and, and uh, you know, agricultural projects and things like that. The big problem is that it, it's leading to a world government run by people that are not like uh, Jesus. That They, they aren't, uh, you know... The creator's son, the creator that created the whole world and universe that we live in. And it means men and, uh, men are, or mankind is fallible, whether it be failing health or you know, dementia or whatever. People in charge of a global government are eventually going to abuse the power that this gives them, but not Jesus, obviously. Uh, so that's my, my particular interest in this Dubai smart city thing. Israel has a few smart cities they set up, but they're not anywhere like this. Not yet, anyway. They're just cashless
4: society things. Yeah, and and you hit the nail on the head. That's exactly what the the goals of these things are, is is to move towards a cashless society. And once, you know, everything's under the Internet of Things, and uh, we've seen it in, in places like Canada, and I believe Sweden, too, that, you know, you have all your infrastructure hooked up online where it can be monitored what temperature you set your thermostat at, what lights you use, when you use them, then you can have the government come in and say, well, you know, we you can only put your uh, air conditioning on to 76 today because, you know, we're going to do it for you. We're going to control. You're, you're, you're losing all control of everything, including your ability to, to purchase things, especially when they move away from the, the cash. And that's always a big red flag in my book. And we've seen this done beta tests throughout Europe. Where they have basically moved to ninety to ninety-five percent cashless.
3: Yeah, Joe's been really researching the heck out of this, then and and it's it's coming quicker than than people
6: realize. Yeah, in it is. It is. Um, and speaking of Satan and the, and the world government, uh, in the last couple of weeks, I've also taken an interest in why every culture in the world has some kind of a dragon in their history. Uh, if you look at slide thirty-six, these are just a couple of dragons. But if you click on the article, it takes you to um, the discussion of the different cultures and the dragons and what uh, they mean. For instance, uh, a three-clawed dragon is what uh, Japan usually draw their dragons with three claws. Um, yeah, there was—I think it might have been the European dragon. Uh, they had wings on theirs so instead of just a you know a serpent with legs and a tail. But they were all dragons uh, like like dinosaur type of beings that you know shot out fire and either flew or were big and I guess they could have you know been like the, some of these beetles we've seen that can mix two chemicals and make fire come out of their mouth but uh the number of claws that they represent on their dragons has a a a royalty type um symbolism three claws is kind of okay you can draw that on your your best if you were, you know, a knight in uh, in Europe when they were talking about the uh, dragons. But a four claw and a five claw are reserved for rulers, kings, you know, uh, dictators. The big the big uh, power structure had to have their uh, heraldry. Their dragons have four or five claws. And at one time, if you had a four claw thing on your your flag, your emblem, your pendant for your uh, castle or you know, for your knight or whatever. That was uh, instant death. If they caught you, they'd kill you for wearing a four-clawed dragon image on your clothing uh, or, or on your uh, your standard. I, I just, you know, I'm entranced I'm with this because all these cultures have dragons in them, and, and of course, the Jewish and Christian culture certainly has that. Um, why, you know, why do they all pick this this reptilian, snake-like serpent? And they're not all Christian nations. You see what I'm saying? Or and, Hebrew nation? Oh
4: yeah. And, and Stan, with uh, one thing that was interesting about the eclipse, is I've read a, a number of articles uh, before Monday on the different culture interpretation of the eclipse. And many ancient cultures believed the eclipse was a a dragon swallowing or attempting to swallow the sun. And oh this yeah. just reinforces the uh, you know the. The mythology of the dragon creature, and it makes you wonder what. What makes these cultures um, not only get into the the mythology of dragons, but to make statues and and uh, different things about uh, this creature? It's it's very interesting, and it does tie in prophetically and, and scripturally with what you were just saying.
6: You know, I, I thought uh, about down in South America. I think it was over in Peru or in that region somewhere where. They found a bunch of uh, stone-carved toys for children that were hundreds of years old, you know, like a, uh, Aztec-type time, or maybe even before that. And um, But these children's toys were showing the children, like dolls, playing with uh, dinosaurs or walking beside them. And these were really good representations in stone of what dinosaurs look like. So you think, well, okay, so what? Well. The the, the uh, European world, the Western world, didn't even know about dinosaurs or bones of dinosaurs until the late 1800s. And at first they thought, the first bone they thought was a, a giant, you know, a giant uh, person. But it turned out to be a bone of what became the terrible lizards, you know, the, the dinosaurs. And so how did these people in South America carve these toys uh, unless they were living dinosaurs in that time, which is like in the last 2,000 years? So even before that, did the Chinese and uh, the other cultures see or have written records or drawings of these dragon-like creatures that were real? Uh, whether they they breathed out fire or not, I don't know. But they could fly. We know that, but actually, you know, there are certain types of of dinosaurs that could fly, um, and before the flood, they could fly because uh, of the density of the uh, the atmosphere. The Earth, I, I tell you, was about twenty-five percent smaller in diameter than it is now, and gravity was about one, little over one and a half times stronger than it is now. So the atmosphere was thicker, and these heavier dinosaur birds could fly with their leather wings. They could; they were pushing against a very dense air, and uh, so they could get up there and fly easier than they could today. Which is probably one of the reasons, if we were ever to clone. Uh, you know, from tissue that's found to be alive, if you were able to clone a, a flying dinosaur again, it wouldn't get off the ground because the air is too thin and the oxygen is too thin as well. It was all all that was thicker and, and more uh, dense uh, before the flood, before the earth expanded to its current diameter. Anyway, it, you know, I, I go down these rabbit holes every now and then trying to put it all together, but, uh, there has to be something that links all these
4: diverse cultures to this dragon image. Yeah, and, and I'm sure there is, and it's um, the answer well, is probably staring us right in the face. And,
3: and again, just to reiterate, kind of, but it's all royalty, right? The, the dragon isn't the, the dragon part of the royal.
6: Uh... Well, look at the heraldry in the, the, you know British heraldry; they've got the dragon.
3: Yeah. Yeah, and a
6: number of the royal houses of Europe, dragon. Um, you know, it, it it's there. And if you go to Japan and look at their history, China's history, the dragons are there, and they're thought to be you know symbols of of uh, ultimate power and of a being that came to the earth and gave them knowledge. Satan. So, you know, it, it's like if you go back to the to the story about the Garden of Eden and uh, Satan tempts uh, uh, Eve, and she takes the apple and bites, and all that kind of stuff well, okay, his punishment was to be cast on the ground, uh, on his belly, uh, you know, like a snake. Well, that's a a reptile. And if you look at the Chinese dragon, it's more like a snake reptile than one with wings that we see in other cultures. Uh, The wings just may indicate that it ascended into the heavens or can fly. And we know that that, uh, God has uh, uh, relegated Satan to his domain is uh, the prince of the air. You know, that's that's his, print, his occupation now is to be the prince of the air wing you
1: see
6: strange yeah. stuff well, going back def- to this
4: stuff And that article Thanks. you post there um, the article the, that you get to from clicking on uh, your website really goes through uh, I like the comparative mythology that it goes through it talks about you know all these different cultures from the Sumerian culture all the way up to you know the 1400s in Britain, and how these yeah it different goes all cultures... the way back to Gilgamesh yeah you
6: know? yeah wow I find
4: this stuff <laughs> fascinating kind of... to read yeah
6: the, yeah it, well, it's a long read but by golly it's interesting it and all the pictures and stuff and the reasons and the yeah. you know uh,
3: and that's and that's why we bookmark standale dot com and go to visit all the sections of his website. Wow, it's amazing.
6: Yeah, and in the time I've uh, kind of been recuperating here, I've been doing more research with my team here about um, this energy uh, segue. It's not there, but it's the next slide over, two slides over on slide thirty-four. Um, we have we have found that we needed to have.
4: awesome Stan and I hope you reach your goal much sooner than later well because I believe it is, is that important. your antenna I mean is that yours
6: no it's over at the other other location we've
4: Stan, I want to go here. I know a number of our listeners are very interested in the September 23rd, 2017 planetary alignment. And I see on, on image 43, you have a, a lecture. Somebody gives a, a lecture. I think it's a pastor on the date there. And then you also have, uh, back to the eclipse, Mark Pastor Mark Biltz goes into more detail about the historical and biblical significance of the eclipse. That's image thirty-five. Uh, did and you want the-
6: 38 and thirty-nine? Those, those are all on that as well. Uh, okay. the, the text underneath of each of them will go to the same location, but the pictures are from that location, showing, you know, the. the 23rd of this month, and the, and the signs in the heavens coming from all these guys, you know, analyzing the scriptures and the astronomy. This is not astrology. People have to get that through. This is signs in the heavens that God has put there for us to know where we are in time and when to look forward to it. And he has, Jesus has said that he's going to deliver the bride, the church, who are looking for him, the five wise virgins who have got their faith, their candle lit, and are waiting for his return. Not like the five foolish that run out of of, uh, of faith and, look, I'm going to go back to church. We're going to have a picnic this week. It's those of us who know he's coming, looking up for he's coming. We're going to be delivered. We're going to be kept from the time of the judgment and the tribulation. And if America's being judged pretty soon right now, I can feel it already happening to us, then I think the rapture, I could be wrong, but I think the rapture is sometime this year or early next year. Wow. Could be wrong. Okay. Could be yeah, wrong, guys. Well, I know that there are different viewpoints on. But. Yeah, you know,
3: it's it's it, it, honestly the way I feel about it. Stan is we can have intellectual discussion about it. Um I, I think. I, look, I, I think you're right. I mean, the signs in the heavens were placed there by God. God. God put them there. We're supposed to be able to use our intellect to interpret them. We can disagree on t- dates, times, and all that stuff. But the, but the yeah. bottom. But 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 who cares? I mean. Uh, it, it, honestly i mean when i say who cares i mean who cares about um in the end we're still we're still, we're still on the same team we're still going for the same end yeah, result yeah. you know it's not going to change yeah. anything it's just it's just the way it is but i find it fascinating now i i want to ask you before the uh program ends um there was a close encounter or is is there has it happened yet an asteroid um like coming real close to the earth
6: oh it uh, came and went i think wasn't it, it was went? on the 23rd it might be in the next couple of days i think it is it was uh,
4: yeah
3: I'm, was not, to come. I'm not sure all i know is uh people were kind of saying man it's get real really close uh to, to the earth and i think i think last yeah. time you were on you were talking about it I just yeah i think
6: it is late this month um let me just check here real quickly quickly here um yeah Perseid shower is part of that um What's the date? The date, I'm pretty sure it was at the end of August 23rd. To Wednesday, August 23rd, meteor shower. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, okay. NASA wanted to, it was one that came in so close. It was in the uh, uh, a number of the satellite orbits we've got in the high orbits here. Right. And NASA was, was going to test their deflection technology, you know, go up to the asteroid <laughs> and just d- deflect it a bit. Uh, to see if they can move it, and if they can, then how much mass do they need to move the bigger ones to, so they don't hit the Earth? And I remember talking about it in the show, thinking, "Gee, this is dumb. What if they make a mistake and it's that close to the Earth that it, it collides with us?"
3: What yeah, I mean, could really, possibly go wrong? You know, oh, well, of course yeah. not. Of course not. Of course not. Oh, my
6: <laughs> yeah. uh my word! As I say, I'm trying to find out here. Uh, what do we did they call it a meteor or an asteroid I think an asteroid
3: a oh, big hunk of something, something.
6: yeah, yeah a, I'm, I'm searching while we're talking here
3: yeah uh, I, I just, yeah here
6: it is it's, it's okay. in, in uh, NASA JPL uh, l- large asteroid to safely pass Earth on the September the 1st uh, they are testing their detection and tracking network with that and also their deflection network. I'm pretty sure I saw in the article.
3: All right. Yeah, so go so to I'm going to wear my, my uh, protective bicycle helmet outside on that day.
6: Just well, a has to do, too.
3: All right. But, <laughs> okay. Because my wife makes me wear it inside, you know, bump my head, and I uh, can't afford too many <laughs> of those knocks. But anyway. All uh, right. Wow. Okay. Good stuff. Good stuff, man.
6: That is indeed. Well, we've done another week, me boy.
3: We have, we have, and and with with you in a better position after after all of that. We're glad. We're we're so thankful for your on, ongoing recovery. We really are, and we're pleased that, uh, that that you're getting some relief from the pain. So,
6: thank you. I am very pleased too. It's been two decades and a bit, and it's
4: really time to. It went away, which it did. Well, thank you, Steve. Praise God! Yeah, and that's great, uh, and we hope it. Continues to heal up well and, and for an even speedier end of your recovery. And thank you for well, doing my, this tonight. Well, my nice nurse
6: night. here is telling me that she's keeping an eye on me so I can't uh, exceed the weight limit of stuff I can lift right now. But, uh, hey, it's only two or three more weeks and I can be normal
4: again. I can't beat that. Stan Deo, com. Thank you so much, Stan. We're at the very end of the show. You have a great evening, you and Holly both. Folks, we'll be back here tomorrow. Until then, stay safe. God bless. Have a great night. <laughs>